What's going on, fellow A-plusers? It is your host, as always, Adam Perez, back once again for our brand new episode today. Welcome to another episode of A-plus Hero Report, your weekly stop for your Marvel, DC, and television and movie news streaming live for you guys today over on YouTube. You can also catch us over on Facebook as well as Twitch for you guys today. Uh, we got ourselves a stack show, honorable mentions, live viewer questions, and of course, our six main topics we're going to be getting into for you guys today. We've got the Marvel official trailer we're going to be giving you guys our review along with some first look images we also have ourselves a great san diego comic-con recap as well as some star wars news as john boyega may in fact be returning plus much more guys let's get this episode <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of A Plus Hero Report, a brand new look, but fear not, same old geeky nerd content for you guys today. Um, but happy Sunday, everybody, wherever you're certainly watching us from. Uh, it's great to certainly be here with you guys. As you can see, we got ourselves not only a stacked couple topics we're going to be getting into, but a stacked crew on board today as we got Stuart and Indy joining us. What's up, fellas? How's everybody doing today, man? Do good. I, I love that uh, we have the cold open now before the intro. That's kind of cool. Cool way yeah, to mix I things up to show switch, that we're rebranding. Yeah, switch things up a little bit. I was trying to play with it a little bit this week, so hopefully it, uh, it worked as a nice intro. How you doing, Indy? We saw you making your bed, man, before uh, you, you went live. Everything going all right over there? Man, man making the couch. No, nah, the cats are destroying my office. <laughs> Uh, you gotta love cats, man. I look, I got five, I got five dogs, one cat. How many do you have? How many cats you got? Uh, now one, two, five cats, three wow. dogs. Wow. Oh my god. Okay, yeah, you so. definitely got me beat, man. I thought I, I thought I was living with a bunch of critters, but yeah, you definitely got me beat, man. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Who's in our live chat with us? Look, guys, if you're in the live chat today, do us a big favor. Hit that like button. Uh, it doesn't cost you anything for sure. Definitely helps the channel out. Feel free to certainly talk amongst yourselves in the live chat. Or if you want to go ahead and throw out some comments to us, feel free to certainly do so. Definitely keep it respectful towards everybody. That's certainly like how we like to do it around here when it comes to everybody's opinions. Um, so, yeah, hit that like button. If you want to leave a comment also after the show wraps up, certainly feel free to do so. It definitely helps the algorithm. Um, but if you want to help in other ways monetarily for the channel feel free to submit in a super chat if you'd like uh, maybe even like a super sticker as well over there uh, all that uh, funds definitely goes to providing us with better production as you can see we are in fact rebranding so we're getting a bunch of logo designs and stuff like that certainly created so it's definitely going to uh, a great cause around here to certainly say the least so if you want to help out definitely go ahead and send over a super chat and whatever comment you leave will stop what we're doing uh, and we'll definitely go ahead and bring you to the forefront on our show uh, and discuss your comment live. Um, and then, of course, we'll get to your live viewer questions towards the end of the show. But uh, who do we have in here with us today? We got Enrique in the house. What's up, Enrique? He says, I saw San Diego Comic-Con trailers for the final episodes of Pokemon Ultimate Journeys, the series, Pokemon Horizons, uh, live action One Piece, a clip from the TMNT, Mutant Mayhem, and the Marvels. Uh, yeah, San Diego Comic-Con definitely still had a lot of content uh, and a lot of panels and franchises that certainly got some, um, sh uh, some shine, if you will, with maybe not all the big actors and big studios that were certainly um, not in attendance this year. Uh, we got Ram Jam in the house. What's up, Ram Jam? Good old Blossom is here with us as well. Dottila certainly coming through also. 
and of course, Marcelino Vasquez. Uh, and yeah, guys, as um, uh, other people wind up joining us, certainly make everybody feel welcome here. Uh, and feel free to also share your thoughts and opinions in the comments or the live chat as we go through these topics. Because remember, at the end of the day, these are just our A-plus opinions, but we want to know yours. So always go ahead and let us know your thoughts. Um, Indy, if you can be in charge of the comments today, Stuart in charge of the banners, that would certainly go a long way. Um Dottila says we are getting an LA Knight figure. Yeah, is that right? Uh, is yeah, WWE, is WWE making a a toy line for um not a toy line for LA Knight, but he's going to be part of their part of their figures. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. And we got uh, SummerSlam coming here within like a week and a half or so. So. A lot of good wrestling content certainly headed your guys' way. Um, I guess, fellas, let's get into some honorable mentions today, shall we? What do you, um, you guys got any honorable mentions you want to bring up first? Oh, boy, I'm, I'm a bit packed with the uh, honorable mentions today. Hey, uh, okay. some, some really cool, like, uh, kind of smaller scale news that we got from San Diego Comic-Con. I know we didn't get, like, any live action DC uh, content uh, that, that was introduced there, but we still got some cool things on the animated side. Because I think when it comes to the animated, like, side of DC, I think it's almost always a hit. Even when it's a miss, uh, you know, I, it feels like it's just that they're taking some swings and it doesn't always hit. But uh, when it hits, it hits. And uh, this is something I'm excited about we have a uh justice league crisis on infinite earths animated movie in development um we don't know anything about like um whether or not this is going to be crossing over with other established animated universes but i really really hope so because i would love to see the young justice the teen titans and the justice league from you know the early 2000s i would love to see all of them like uh coll collaborating and like working together that kind of a thing if that's what we're getting um so that's that's one that I'm really looking forward to. The other is uh, Watchmen, an animated movie. Um, and uh, mm. you know, I love the Zack Snyder Watchmen movie. It's a great film. But I feel like the only way you can truly capture the uh, comic book to a T would be to make it like basically just an animated movie. And so uh, I feel like this has been like um, this is something we want. We, we should have gotten like years ago, but um, we're finally getting it now. A animated Watchmen movie. Um, and then on the Star Trek side of things, uh, for anyone in the comments who's a uh, Star Trek fan, um, two kind of interesting things that I didn't expect. So one of them, uh, we, we've known for a while uh, that episode seven of Strange New World season two uh, was going to have a crossover with the uh, Lower Decks animated series. And we were going to be getting uh, the two uh, characters, Boimler and Mariner, in live action, uh, you know, played by their voice actors. Mm. Uh, but what we didn't know is that they'd be releasing the episode early. So uh, cool. I got to watch it last night because they released it yesterday because they uh, showed it early at San Diego, San Diego Comic-Con. And, uh, you know, the review is going to be coming uh, probably Thursday or Friday, but I'm just going to say right now, this has to be uh, one of my new favorite episodes of just Star Trek in general. It The way they blend animation and live action into this episode uh, was so smooth and, you know, surprisingly a crossover with an animated show and, an, and a live action show. It somehow didn't feel like disjointed or anything. Uh, this was such a solid episode. The other Star Trek news. Uh, uh, last bit of my honorable mention. Uh, so I guess there were rumors about this, but I had never heard them until now. But A Strange New World is getting a musical episode. Uh, <laughs> Wait, did somebody, did somebody put that together? 
Uh, oh no! This uh, this was a, an official image uh, released from Paramount uh, to yes. advertise their upcoming musical episode. <laughs> yes, I love that this is official. I love it. Go ahead. Yes, um, and that does it for uh, my uh, honorable mentions. I was literally about to ask you, hey Stuart, do you know when the musical episode drops? Um, but uh, <laughs> I, I love that they actually put together like an official release. It looks like she's actually singing there. Um, but this is like a fantastic banner. Uh, it looks like something you would see off of Broadway. So I'm, I'm like, yes, I've never watched this show at all. Um, but I, I'm kind of stoked for it. Um, but that, that, I can't, I can't wait for that. I don't know how that's going to fit in the world of Star Trek. Have people pushed back against that already? You know, not that I know of, but I mean, like, it'd be pretty easy. Just bring in Q, have him snap his fingers. And then suddenly the that's universe cool. turns into a musical. <laughs> yeah. Q, Q can definitely get away with anything. Yeah. Um, great honorable mentions that's do it for sure, man. What you got for us, Indy? You got any for for us today? Yeah. Um, comic world, because you know, sometimes we discuss comic books uh on this channel. <laughs> um, there is a huge crossover coming from DC that um might actually make me pick up a DC comic book that isn't Arrow or Green Lantern. Uh, man, what would you say if you got Superman and Wonder Woman fighting Godzilla? Oh, oh, that's right. The, the Justice League Godzilla crossover. Yeah, there's going to be a DC and MonsterVerse crossover uh, coming. They have the uh, variant backgrounds for like the first comics. Um, I'm geeked for it because I feel that people will actually be able to respect the powerhouse that is Godzilla when it takes the entire Justice League to take her down. Um, King Kong, I'm not too expressive about because I just feel like King Kong is just a big gorilla grot. But uh, and oh, but I am looking to see if like they do something where Grog can communicate with King Kong. Oh, that would be you know, dope. So like the the everything like is endless because I know they have like villains that can uh, communicate with insects and different stuff like that. So I wonder if that's going to tie into Mothra and, and other things like that. What happens? Does somebody take control of the monsters and brings them over to try to take out the Justice League? Or uh, I, I I just can't wait. This looks like it's going to be cool. Um, as Stuart was saying, I kind of wish this was animated rather than, you know what I'm saying, comic, but I'm pretty sure if it does well enough, it will soon get an an animation adaptation. So I'm looking forward to this, man. And Godzilla looks so good in the visuals that we got off of it. Uh, I was I was definitely going to say when it comes to when it comes to that side of thing with animation, uh, if you really want a comic book uh, that you really love to be animated, the best thing you can do is tell your friends about it, support it by buying it, Um, because I mean, look at uh, Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I am pretty sure it's safe to say that whoever wrote that comic had no idea that was going to be later made into an animated movie, uh, you know, afterwards. So I feel like you could say the same for this one. Uh, If we really want to see this one come to an animation animated movie, just make sure we all buy the comic book when it comes out. I think it's a pretty badass. Uh, I just found some images online real quick. Um, Some good artwork. Just trying to pull up. I looked this. This is an entertainment exclusive one. Superman getting ready to face off against Godzilla. That's so badass (laughs) in so many ways. Um, But I I absolutely love the. uh, I don't know who they got to do the artwork for um, this cover or just these uh, these images in general. But uh, yeah, this might be a crossover. I certainly am willing to go yeah, check man. out. Please, please let somebody put a kryptonite battery in Zuki's back and let her blast spot Superman. Like I, <laughs> I, I do not want Superman one v one Godzilla. Like I, to to me, 
the 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 presence, you know what I'm saying? The Mystica Godzilla, it 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 needs to be the entire Justice League to take her down. To take him down. I get it. I wouldn't mind uh, it starting with just Superman, but then Superman realizing, okay, yeah, this isn't gonna work. She's just eat him. I need to bring yeah, I need to bring on more uh, more help or something. Yeah, she yeah. need to eat him because like she just need to eat him and then him just sitting in her radioactive belly, and then somebody has to come, you know what I'm saying, save him or something like that. I, I I'm all for like cyborg figuring out a way to get rid of everything, but um the store how they're gonna tell the story is interesting to me, and I just hope that the way my mind runs doesn't ruin the story for me, like doesn't live up to the expectations because my mind is gonna go crazy on the different things that could happen in this series. What if Starro were to fight uh, Godzilla and King Kong at some point during the he, uh, comic book? Uh, Starro would lose. <laughs> Starro? <laughs> Starro would lose. I, th- I think it'd be I a good know. fight. I think it'd yeah. be a good fight. Yeah. No, Star- <laughs> Starro would lose. Starro got. I mean, if, if you want to, if you want to keep it in like DC canon, like they they, they abuse Starro in the Suicide Squad because like it should be no reason that the Suicide Squad be Starro. But <laughs> like it, it they, they do Starro so dirty and got and I don't believe that the licensors for Godzilla are gonna be like, nah, she can't be beat by Star. Are you serious? <laughs> Starro? Like you have Superman and you want Starro to you know what I'm saying? Nah, or maybe have yeah. Starro take control of Godzilla and mm-hmm. King Kong, and then the Justice League saves them, and then it's a team up against Starro. So you need a team, you need a team, you need a team up of Godzilla. That's usually how it always works, right? It's always like you put them against each other and then you find some way to work together to face against the villain towards the final issue. The the only way that's going to go is if you have Starro taking control of the monsters, but Brainiac took control of Starro. That would make sense. Oh, dang. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was pretty layered. Pretty layered. Dang, we're coming Uh, up with so many cool ideas. It's going to make the comic book disappointing. (laughs) Do you know when it's supposed to drop, Indy? Um, I didn't see any news about that. I just got really geeked when I saw it and read up on it. But um, it's just just stay tuned. And if you have that uh, DC Comics app, you know what I'm saying? Just keep hitting that refresh button and looking for it. And uh, we do have like two more honorable mentions I want to go ahead and bring up. Um, this just came back in the news. If you guys recall, we talked about this earlier this year. Um, AMC um, wind up trying to charge... Uh, for their new seating plan if you guys remember this uh, amc was trying to launch the idea of having to pay different amounts for the certain seats that you would sit in i think they called it sightline at amc a ticket pricing and initiative based on seat locations within the auditorium um, apparently this week according to variety.com amc theaters drops the plan to charge more money based on seat locations. So apparently they did try this. It says the proposed system, which was announced in February, involved customers paying a few extra dollars for prime middle seats with uh, an unobstructed view and saving a few bucks to sit in the front row. The initial announcement was an embrace on social media. As you guys remember, a lot of people were giving pushback to this idea. Um, It says this new initiative by AMC Theaters would essentially penalize people for lower Uh, lower income and reward for higher income. Um, The article also goes on to say, oh, dang, I lost it. Well, apparently they did roll it out. Um, They did roll this out for a couple of months just as a tester, if you will. 
And I guess apparently it just did not go very well. Uh, and AMC has decided to go ahead and drop it. And I think for the most part, a lot of people will probably be pretty pleased uh, with that information. Uh, I'm trying to see if they give details as to why they dropped it. Um, it says, after conducting a pilot test program in select theaters, the company announced it would pivot away from Sightline at AMC because there wasn't enough interest in the idea of offering a range of prices to sit in particular rows. In the study's findings, customers were willing to pay more for premium seats, but weren't willing to subject themselves to the front row, even for a lower price. Uh, it says to ensure AMC's ticket prices remain competitive, uh, the sight line at AMC pilot program will come to an end at participating locations in the coming weeks. Um, so, yeah, guys, um, we won. We won. AMC realized how dumb of an idea this was um, and uh, decided not to. Um, well, I guess technically they realized uh, after the testing that people didn't want to still have to watch movies like this, no matter what the cost of the seat ticket was. But, uh, yeah, I guess they learned their lesson, huh? Wow. Um, OK, so it's the idea. We, we went over how dumb we thought the idea was to begin with, but to test it out during one of the busiest weeks like we've had in a long, long time um, at, at any theaters like I, all theaters have been doing really, really good this uh, last weekend because of Barbieheimer. Mm -hmm. um, so this was the worst weekend they could have tested this new thing out. So uh, I'm glad. Well, they've failed. been testing it since February, I believe. Oh, they have. So oh, yeah, it wasn't like it was just this week. They've been testing this for several months now. Oh, okay. Never mind. Misunderstood. I, I, I had assumed that this was their first time, like actually trying it out. So I'm no, glad I think it didn't they might have started it out with Ant Man and the and Quant and the Wasp Quantum Mania, um, but they it might have been there. Um, but yeah, I don't know if that was the first one or not. But yeah, since February they've been trying this out. Okay. Well, regardless, I'm glad it didn't work out because I think like paying higher prices for better seats is dumb. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you there. Um, and then the last honorable mention for you guys today, if you're a big Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle fans, um, we have an exclusive from Variety. The 1987 animated series is coming to Nickelodeon. Um, it was announced over at San Diego Comic-Con this week at the uh, H uh, Hall H panel. Um, that um, ahead of theater releases for Mutant Mayhem, Nickelodeon has acquired global rights to um, the series, which follows the adventures of uh, the Turtles. Under the deal, all 193 episodes. Um, let me see if I can. Why does it do this to me all the time? Anyway, they're going to be uh, released digitally uh, on Nickelodeon for you guys. I lost the article. My uh, my phone's acting up a little bit but um yeah so the classic 1987 193 episode tmnt um series will in fact be dropping on nickelodeon are you guys uh excited for that uh i don't even have uh cable anymore but you know if, if, if it goes on nickelodeon and then uh eventually goes to paramount plus yeah i'd uh you know i haven't really watched any uh that much of the original teenage mutant ninja turtles because i was like a little bit before my time so i'd definitely be excited to uh you know kind of explore that area that like a lot of people got that a lot of people really loved uh you know as as children because like i know that like uh teenage mutant ninja turtles with a lot of youtubers i used to watch like growing up uh 
that seemed to be like one of the top things that they would talk about from their childhood, especially like the angry video game nerd and nostalgia critic. <laughs> like it felt like every other video, they would find some excuse to reference Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And uh, yeah, you know, I, I, I'd definitely check it out. Yeah, apparently the series ran from 1987 to 1996. So about nine years, which um, wow. that's crazy to me. Um, but it says that they are set to debut digitally on Nickelodeon owned and operated channels such as youtube pluto tv and o and o linear channels later this month in the u.s followed by nickelodeon branded channels and digital platforms internationally um so they, yeah they acquired all those rights and i feel like when it comes to tmnt we see a lot of them on nickelodeon anyway a lot of their brand new series so it feels like a fitting home for them um so yeah uh, and plus uh, shout out to my boy uh jonathan uh he Grew up a huge TMNT fan, still one to this day. Pretty hyped for Mutant Mayhem, but uh, I think you'll be pleased with this news. Um, but yeah, guys, that will do it for our honorable mentions today. So thank you very much, guys, for certainly coming through as always. Um, <clears throat> I thought I had a comment here from Dottila, but let's see. Marcelino says, uh, I wish instead they would adopt, adapt the uh, Doomsday Clock. Uh, because they could use the Watchmen characters and tell a different story with them rather than repeat what came before. Well, they, they still could. Um, if this one does really successful, I don't see why they couldn't do like a Doomsday Clock uh, as a sequel. Um, and then Enrique I, says, oh, go ahead. Andy. No, I honestly feel like the reason why they might be doing a retelling because there's a whole new audience that's introduced into this medium that hasn't even seen that movie. And that movie mm -hmm. might be little bit too adult, a little bit too slow and stuff for them, and the retelling through animation might be able to make them fans, you know, of the Watchmen to be able to spring a new fan base. Mm -hmm. I get you there, yeah. Uh, Enrique says, uh, when is the release day for TMNT Classic Series will air? It just said that by the end of the month, um, you can catch it on uh, Nickelodeon um, mm -hmm. digital platforms. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I do. Be, uh, I'm sure you can find it somewhere. I do wonder with it being Nickelodeon if they're going to like air the episodes in order or if it'll just be like super random, like they do with it, a lot of their other uh, cartoons. It's going to be super random. We're going to see. So? We're going to see Osaka and the Bunny like the episode. They're going to try to get as many characters as possible for toy sales, and then we're going to be like, "What is going on? Like, I don't remember <laughs> this." <laughs> oh my god what if they, what if they try to yeah that i i'd be totally cool with if that's what they're trying to do if they're trying to use this as an excuse to resell some old 80s uh, ninja turtles toys uh i'm kind of curious if that's what they're going for <laughs> um all right guys i think with that out of the way for our honorable mentions i think it's time to get into our main topics today fellas you ready to go ahead and tackle this with me always uh, let's do it y'all um so uh first topic as you guys see at the thumbnail um on uh, on youtube over there over on facebook the marvels uh is back in the news as we're going to get into our mcu bag today um they wind up giving us uh, an official trailer here this week again even though they're not at san diego comic-con we definitely expected some sort of big announcements to certainly come out and this week uh they certainly did not disappoint as we wind up getting ourselves a brand new poster as well which is actually a, a poster i'm actually a big fan of uh, along with a brand new look 
uh, at this upcoming movie. It is, in fact, set to go ahead and drop this upcoming November 10th, 2023. Now, when it comes to just comic book movies in general, uh, they have not been doing too well at the box office as of late. Uh, so there may be some worry or hesitation for some people going into this movie to see what this is going to do. But considering that this is, in fact, a sequel to Captain Marvel, which went ahead and made about a billion dollars at the box office, uh, they're certainly hoping that they can recapture that lightning in a bottle moment, if you will, uh, and have another good outing. And so uh, we're going to be diving into the official trailer that wind up dropping today. And Entertainment Weekly also went ahead and dropped some brand new exclusive images uh, for this upcoming movie. We'll be diving into that as well as breaking down their brand new article. But before we get into the article and these images, uh, let's talk about this trailer that wind up dropping, fellas. I know we all had the opportunity to certainly check it out for ourselves. Uh, anybody want to go first and share their thoughts on what they thought of the uh, the Captain Marvel, uh, the Marvel's uh, official trailer? Excellence personified. <laughs> Big fan, I see, huh? Well, I, uh, other than what other people may think, because I know a lot of people have a problem with Brie Larson. I am a fan of Brie Larson for various reasons. Um, been a fan for her for a long time. Um, was my favorite character in Scott Pilgrim versus the world. <laughs> um, it's just. I feel that uh, because her, I feel like she catches so much slap because of her views outside the role she plays and doesn't get enough credit for the actual actress. You know what I'm saying? As she is, but she was an embodiment of Captain, you know what I'm saying? Marvel for me. And uh, this movie feels like it's the movie that's going to live up to the hype. I guess I'm saying And for some people it might be low expectations, but uh, for me, um, Captain Marvel, the, the original, was a really good movie. Um, Miss Marvel was a really good series. And then we all know what we thought about WandaVision. And with Proton and their, you know what I'm saying, everything, getting their powers in that show. I just feel like for this phase, this is probably the best lead up to a particular film. You know what I'm saying? That we had where I feel like they didn't miss. So it makes me more excited to see what's going to happen. The only thing that throws me off a little bit is I don't know if this happens pre-Secret Invasion or after Secret Invasion because it feels like we have uh, uh, a Nick Fury that's acting more like he did in the past. So it makes me mm -hmm. kind of more excited to see this last episode of Secret Invasion to see if Nick Fury decides he wants to, you know what I'm saying, start feeling like his normal self. Yeah, I am kind of curious as to how connected this movie is to um... – that of Secret Invasion, because you're right, there is a vibe that I get that maybe this takes place before Secret Invasion. Um, you know, I wish Marvel would kind of go in order if that's the case, just to kind of keep people's timelines straight. I mean, I know they've done this before, the kind of going back and forth type of thing. But when you've already got so much content out there, um, you know, I do think it could be questionable in regards to are, are people keeping up with uh, how everything's unfolding in a timely manner? So we'll see. But I, I totally I totally understand where you're getting at. What about you, um, Stuart? How do you feel about the uh, the new Captain Marvel trailer we wind up getting here? Um. So it's uh, funny because they bring up Secret Invasion because I kind of feel the same way about this second trailer that I did with Secret Invasion's uh, second trailer. And that is that 
Um, I love everything that I see. I'm pretty sure I'm going to go into this movie really enjoying it, but I don't feel like this trailer uh, excited me any more than the first one already did. I think that it just showed us exactly what the first one showed us, just a little bit more in certain areas. Um, but yeah, it, you know, everything I liked about the first one, I really like about this one. I think the thing I'm most excited about is uh, seeing, uh, you know, Camilla being able to interact with a couple of her heroes, especially with uh, Captain Marvel when we see how much of a big Captain Marvel geek that she is in uh, her own show so i really look forward to uh seeing that you know in the movie yeah i think this trailer for me just reinforced that i'm i'm, I'm excited for this film um in the sense that it, it looks fun uh i love the soundtrack that goes along with it i mm -hmm. think these ladies are gonna have a blast to just have a really good time and i think their chemistry behind the scenes has been pretty infectious if you've watched any of their interviews and i really do think that that's going to translate extremely well to sort of the big screen also um, for me, this trailer also, I think, highlighted the villain a little bit more, definitely gave us a little bit more of an understanding of the storyline, um, seeing like, you know, clearly they found the opposite bangle, um, or at least the villain certainly has, and she's going to be using it to help manipulate sort of the powers uh, that our Marvel certainly have in here. Um, so being able to kind of see um, how these three navigate um sort of, um, I don't want to say this gimmick, if you will, of, of the movie, but I do think it's going to add a lot of fun and a lot of humor to it. Um, and so the action looks great. Special effects look pretty solid in here also. Um, but I'm, I'm with you guys. Like, I, while I enjoyed the trailer, it definitely got me a little bit more excited, but it didn't set me through the roof. I just know for me, this is a movie that I'm looking forward to, and I think I'm going to have a lot of fun with it, honestly. Um, I'll go ahead. My bad. I did like how the trailer discussed what the disturbance in their powers were. That mm -hmm. it showed that it wasn't necessarily them being connected. It was more that the villain did that to them, and that's why they couldn't control their powers. So it, it lets you know that at some time they're going to gain control of what's going on. But but what this does also is we know the powerhouse that Captain Marvel <laughs> is, right? Mm -hmm. I feel like this hinders her most of the movie, so she just can't just solve the problem. Because yeah. uh, because the type of hero she is, especially with her coming from her military background, um, it, she goes in, she solves the problem, she leaves. That That's why she's so good at what she does. But if she doesn't have control of the powers that she uses, because just think, she uses brute force to solve everything, I think this is going to slow her down and show her that it takes more than just you being powerful, you know what mm. I'm saying, to solve a problem. And I think that's the aspect of that character that has been missing since she's been brought into the MCU. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think you might be on to something there. And, you know, the idea of Kamala Khan always teasing like, oh, my God, are we a team sort of thing? Right. I think the uh, the importance of teamwork, relying on others. Uh, I think all that will certainly be a, a great um, sort of theme in here. And I think the fact that these three ladies uh, work as well together as they do, I think will certainly showcase that. You know, there are image, there are moments in here where we get the opportunity to see like. Uh, Brie, or I should say uh, Carol Danvers, standing opposite of uh, Monica Rambeau. I'm really excited to kind of see, like, just the elephant in the room, if you will. Um, just mm -hmm. how that's going to be sort of discussed and brought up. Because um, there's a, even a, a quick shot in this trailer when, um, in, in the very beginning, when Nick Fury contacts um, Captain Marvel, talking about her time on space, there's a shot of, um, and I had to, I went back and re rewound this and paused it. But there's a shot in this trailer where it's like a newspaper newspaper clipping or an article of Monica Rambeau, um, like in her astronaut gear sort of thing. Uh, I can't remember what the headline was, but to me, it just emphasizes like Carol, even though she's in space, she's clearly keeping track of people, right? Like she's clearly 
following up with people that she cares about, the question is going to be for me, why didn't she ever go back, right? Um, if she is following up with somebody like that and, and trying to keep track of, you know, what her life has been like. So I am going to be interested to kind of see what excuses she has. Uh, and if we've been watching Secret Invasion, clearly they have not found a planet for the scrolls. Uh, and I would assume they still haven't in this movie. So what has her and Nick Fury kind of been up to from Carol Danvers sort of perspective and i think for me that's um something i'm really going to be diving into and honestly if i can make a prediction there's a part of me that still believes that shang chi is going to pop up in this movie um you know based off of shang chi's um post credit scene where we saw captain marvel i think they were already looking at his um i call them bracelets his rings if you will um i, I do wonder if there's an even bigger connection that maybe gets exposed here in the marvels especially once you bring on this villain that now has sort of that opposite bangle so i am hoping that there's um, some other characters in here uh and just a really unique storyline that we wind up getting aside from how fun it is it looks like we might even get ourselves a musical montage a dance montage in here at some point in time um so i'm, I'm for it it looks it looks like it's gonna be a lot of fun yeah, I forgot what I was gonna say. It was important too. You threw um, you threw me you threw me off with the bangles because I started thinking about something else. Um, and sh shout out to who I believe is gonna steal this show. Um, Iman Imani. Uh, that 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 young lady is fantabulous. I don't even know if that's a word, but she is that. Um, considering how she got the role and and what she's been doing with that role, she got. I really feel like she is going to be the reason why this movie is actually going to work um, because she breaks up the monotony that you would normally have if she wasn't, you know what I'm saying, in there. So that that's going to be really cool. And I want to see. She'll, I think she'll help attract a younger audience, too, you know, for sure, in regards to bringing more people into the fold for the MCU. She's mm -hmm. over. She's over 18. She's not going to just attract a younger audience. Well, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just, I know, I know that she's like 20 years old. I just mean yeah. says that she is playing somebody that's a kid, young, right? Yeah. I mean, just that concept and the idea of like, oh my gosh, she's a fangirl, you know, like yeah. like some of these other All nerds the, that are going to see this movie, and she's getting the opportunity to fight yeah. alongside yeah. Captain Marvel. I think that's pretty cool. I think that'll it, draw people in. It's it's kind of disturbing all of the milfs that be on Tom Holland at times. <laughs> so I'm I'm just hoping she doesn't have to go through that. Uh, I'm but sure she the, is, bro. the parallels between Nick Fury. Um, felling the scrolls and um, you know what I'm saying Captain Marvel felling Monica you know what I'm saying Rambo and stuff like that is going to be interesting because they're going through I feel like those two Nick Fury and um, Carol Danvers are going through similar storylines but you know what I'm saying in different ways on felling the people you know what I'm saying that they made promises to that they're close to so it's interesting on how close they are and the fact that they're making the same mistakes uh, I, I really want this movie to succeed I really do um Another um, Billy, another we, Billy, another Billy. Oh, another um, Billy? I don't know, man. I 750 mil. I'll say that 750 okay. mil. I don't know if it brings it in just because of the trajectory of which movies have been doing. If if this does get shown internationally, then 750 mil. Um, if 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 it doesn't really pick up steam internationally, maybe 500 mil. Um, uh. I'm going to go six just because I believe that the strike and stuff and them being able to promote the movie properly is actually going to hurt it. 
And I don't mm. know if a lot of people are talking about that enough. The, the the ability for these stars to be able to promote these movies, you know? I mean, no Jimmy Fallon's, right? No Jimmy Kimmel's. No late mm. night TV shows that you can bring, like, half the cast on and just do right. a press tour all over the place, right? Like, those are, like, the the press tours that really get to the general audiences, the people that aren't on Twitter and focuses on that type of stuff. You know what I mean? And I think that has been very hurtful ever since the writer's strike. I think and since uh, everything's happened, I, um, I, I'm not going to say this is the only reason there are a lot of other reason, factors, no. but right, I would say this is a huge reason of why the flash didn't do very good. Cause they couldn't exactly bring Ezra Miller to any talk shows or anything like that. Yeah. And Although I feel like The Flash is the biggest flop we've had so far this year. It's brutal. Watch Borderlands because they haven't been able to do no proto when that drops on the night. Yeah, I didn't even know that was coming out next month. <laughs> is that just a, just stream? That's just a just streaming, right? Is I think that's theaters. I thought Borderlands was to theaters. God, I hope that's straight to streaming because I haven't they, heard they, anything about it. With that cast, it should go that with Kevin Hart's deal. Throw that straight on Netflix. I, I believe it would do well there. Don't take that in the theaters. Don't take Borderlands will get de demolished, destroyed by the core fan base. They take that to theaters. Yeah, you might be onto something. Um, yeah. I still, I still am like uh, amazed by the fact that it's uh, being directed by Eli Roth, the dude that makes horror movies that end up turning into comedies. So I'm kind of curious uh, what it's going to be like with him actually trying to make a comedy. I do want to get to. Um the entertainment weekly article for the marvels because uh, they also did give us some brand new images to go ahead and look at this is a little bit of a a, a longer article um, a lot of in-depth stuff here so the both of you interrupt me and stop me whenever um you want to uh if there's something that gets said or brought up in the article that you want to further go ahead and discuss um, i love your shirt ahead. adam what my uh, my pink shirt it's yeah my, i love your my, shirt it's my barbie mode today um, yeah. <laughs> had the on <Roxanne laughs> pink. Um, let's go ahead and bring this up here. This is from Entertainment Weekly. Um, the Power Trio get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at the Marvels. Um, it says the cast of the Marvels had an official motto on set. If you don't know, ask Aman Vellani. <laughs> she says, um, Brie Larson says, I've just learned to trust Aman because she really has her timelines in order. Um, she's the one that's always schooling us. I wouldn't know how old Carol is without her. She really does the math. Uh, and it says, like Kamala Khan, the fresh-faced hero, she plays on Miss Marvel. Volani is the kind of comic book aficionado who doodles pictures of Galactus on her sneakers or nitpicks about the differences between Earth uh, 616 and Earth 199999. Uh, that acknowledged served the 20 year old well when she stepped up with Larson and the WandaVision star Tayana Paris uh, on the set of um, the Marvels. Volani had no problems correcting franchise veterans about obscure comic lore. That is after getting over the fact that she was working with franchise veterans. The young actress was so starstruck on her first day with co-star Samuel L. Jackson. She literally hid behind the director, Nia DaCosta, before emerging to pepper him with questions. And did Nick Fury's actor answer all of her inquiries? Of course I did, uh, uh, Samuel L. Jackson wind up saying. Um, so, yeah, big uh, big words for um, Aman Vellani here as she finds herself um, quite, the, uh, quite the nerd, which I, I think is, for me, I find it really charming, honestly. 
um, that she is as big of a nerd as we are. And, and she, you know, considering this is like her first big major picture, uh, aside from Miss Marvel being like her first big major um, just show in general that she has been attached to. Um, I got to imagine this is certainly a big star struck uh, time for Amon Vellani, but um, I love everything that she, they're they're saying. I feel like if there's anybody that we can relate to as fans, uh, it's probably Amon, right? Uh, yep. I, I definitely think Marvel struck lightning in a bot in a bottle with uh, getting her as uh, Miss Marvel. Yeah, we're, I totally. We're going to talk about something later about a perfect casting. Oh, I, I I think I think this person hasn't seen her in this role. To be told, to be told, <laughs> you. you might be right. Um, you might be right because with 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 this, I'm hoping that Disney goes out and understands that um, ca casting people who aren't known, but people who are fans, like really fans of the source material, uh, will work will work out greatly because th that that's what makes her so good is that she actually cares for the characters and cares. You know what I'm saying about what she's doing. So I, I as long see as they can act, as long as they can act, just don't give me some random nerd on screen. But yeah, well, as I long think as they can act. I, I, I honestly, I think with her, with with the type of character, you know what I'm saying, Miss Marvel is. I honestly think it's just her being her. <laughs> you might be right. It could very much just be her being her. I can definitely see that. Um, it says zooming with the three Marvels is a bit like zooming with three sisters who you are reuniting for a long overdue brunch. The conversation is a mix of gushing praise for one another's talents and the occasional playful insult. At one point, Volani pokes fun at her elder co-stars, causing an indignant Larson, 33, and Paris, 35, to retort, we're like 30. Uh, together, the trio having an easy chemistry that reflects on screen, even when they're whooshing across the cosmos and blasting energy um, beams from their fists. Um, it was a very sisterly bond on set, is what the director wind up saying. Uh, it was really fun to see how the relationship mirrors their relationship in the movies. Uh, That's you know what that kind of reminds me of is like a lot of older interviews with uh, Tom Holland when whenever he was uh, being interviewed with uh, specifically uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, it felt yeah. like between the three of them, like they would always be giving each other shit, but like in the funniest way. Yeah, absolutely. I used to love watching their interviews together for sure. They would always get on Tom's case. It was fantastic. It says uh, when the Marvels finally hits theaters on November 10th. Um, the three actresses hope the audiences will connect with them the same way they connected with each other. Uh, I am excited that the MCU has three lead women, all from very diverse backgrounds, uh, and they're all baddies in their own way, Paris says. It's going to be really exciting just to see these smart, fun, intelligent, and troubled women find their way. Uh, as yeah, as I'm sure they probably all have their own gripes uh, and situations they have to certainly overcome. You know, and I will say, if there's any, if there's anything that I want to, uh, if there's anything that I would like to like piggyback off of this, I love the fact that they talk about just how much they enjoy getting together because I feel like one of the false narratives before this movie even came out was the idea of like uh, Brie Larson hating the idea of like not having the spotlight on her right like i heard 
horror stories and rumors of like, you know, Brie Larson on the set, like being upset that she has to kind of, you know, work opposite of these people. And at the end of the day, it's just like, clearly that's not the case, right? Like clearly they, uh, they get along. If you watch their interviews, if you watch anybody that's talked about what the set of Captain Marvel was like, um, it's a lot of false narratives out there, but I, I am glad to see that, um, that they got along as well as they did in person um on on set because i i do feel like that's certainly gonna show itself um in a big way when this movie drops it, it says was, um oh go ahead it was like this one interview with brie larson and uh, uh don Cheadle together and uh it was very clear that the two of them were just like uh messing with each other but like people took like that one <laughs> clip where it was her being like oh yeah we're like best buddies right and then don being like don't touch me you know clearly it was a joke like you know because don does that stuff before like he did that with kevin hart once when uh, he mentions his age and kevin hart was like damn and he's like excuse me and they do like this back and forth <laughs> like clearly he just knows how to play off of people but like everyone took that one like little moment in an interview and they were trying to say see no one likes working with brie larson yeah they definitely will take any opportunity they can to kind of put somebody's name in the dirt oh, yeah. um uh it also says here um even before carol's debut uh larson says marvel studios president kevin feige was already looking to the future brainstorming how to bring other beloved heroines from page to screen at the top of that list were monica rambau and kabbalah khan uh, instead of a traditional captain marvel sequel the goal was to bring even more heroes uh, this was something kevin and i had talked about from the beginning uh, that this was the way the story made sense to go uh, as what she uh, was referring to in regards to um, debuting Kamala uh, along with Monica in this particular movie. Uh, and again, I think that also pushes back against another sort of um, false narrative in here. The fact that, you know, I, I was hearing people talking about the idea, oh, the only reason why this this turned into a team up movie is because of the backlash that Brie Larson got for Captain Marvel, um, which I think is stupid uh, overall. One, because the Captain Marvel movie made a billion dollars. Um, so clearly they definitely wanted Brie Larson to come back. But apparently, according to Brie Larson, this was in the works the whole time in regards to bringing in Monica, bringing in Kamala, the idea of um, putting them all together in a movie. Uh, so people that want to go ahead and push the false narrative that the only reason why they made this a team movie was because of the fan out, you know, backlash towards Brie Larson, you know, maybe for fans that were on Twitter. But for general audiences, I think a lot of people really enjoy Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. But, um, you know, I think this uh, just opens up our eyes to the bigger overall plan that Kevin Feige had all along. Um, let's see here. It says, I understand that feeling of being afraid to let go of control, being afraid of passing on responsibilities to others, says Larson. Um, you almost want to take on all the burden yourself. So I think this is an incredible metaphor for learning how to be a team. Um, she says, um, it is very clear example that no one person can do it all. You need all kinds of uh, skill sets, all kinds of people with different viewpoints and different backgrounds in order to save the world. And I think that's a piggybacking right off of what you stated at the top, Indy. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I hate the slack for all the movies that call flack and everything like that. I hate the fact that Captain Marvel caught that. Um, and I really feel like this is going to this feels like it's setting up to be like a coming of age story for Miss Marvel. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I really feel like she's going to be the catalyst, like something something just feels like she's going to be the reason they win, whatever they win. 
is going to be the person who is younger than us, less experienced, that had that remembers who we are, that remembers who we stand for, remembers what we do. That's going to inspire us to be able to o- overcome <laughs> this this big obstacle that that we that we're going up against. So I, I feel like I already know how the movie is going to be. I'm just very interested in how they come about telling that story, and I think that's some, I think that's something that piques my interest. Yeah, I definitely agree. I think this would be a the growth here. I think of both Miss Marvel and um, Tayana Paris's character Monica. I'm hoping that this growth, especially working alongside somebody like Brie Larson, definitely launches them into uh, potentially being able to carry something of their own um, sooner uh, rather than later. Um, the article also goes on to say, um, since helping to knock out Thanos in Endgame. Carol has largely left Earth behind, choosing instead to hunt down villains on the far edges of the galaxy. The way I was able to tap into it and understand it as is the concept that Carol kind of became a workaholic uh, and she lost touch with her heart and with family and friends. Um, that's certainly something that I can relate to is what Brie Larson winds up saying. She says um, those friends and family include Nick Fury, who forged a close relationship with Carol in Captain Marvel. But that was decades ago. And Fury has lost touch with his um, uh, original Avenger until all that interstellar body swapping starts interfering with his spy work. He's been calling her and she's off in galaxies far, far away, Jackson explains. She's like, Fury, why are you calling me? I told you not to use this number. And he's like, you gave it to me, so I'm going to use it. I'm going to call you uh, because I need your help. Um, One of the other people left behind is Monica, the daughter of Carol's uh, old Air Force buddy, uh, Maria Rambau. It says um, Monica first uh, met Aunt Carol as a young child, but since she's grown into her hero, into her own right, complete with her own powers. um, It says Carol is such a huge part of Monica's life in Captain Marvel is what Tayana Paris explains. When we see her in WandaVision, you get a sense that she has not talked to Carol in a very long time. So we have to address the elephant in the room. Uh, It says executive producer Mary Lovano says Marvel was already thinking about the future payoff when including Monica as a smaller child in Captain Marvel. Always in the back of my head was a story based off uh, based on family reconnection and how hard that can be to navigate. Um, So, yeah, they're definitely going to be focusing on that and a lot of reconnecting for a lot of characters in this movie, it seems like. But uh, what are your guys' thoughts on that? This uh, this definitely uh, answers like a question I've had since uh, WandaVision uh, because it was so clear that there was something going on with uh, her and uh, Captain Marvel because like when she gets a name drop, she immediately tries to, you know, end the conversation in that in that area of saying we're not talking about her. So, uh, no, like, this is always the theory that I kind of figured, like, yeah, that it would be uh, Captain Marvel just never returning back. Um so yeah, I do. Ex- I am excited to see exactly like it, like being able to actually like see what kind of effect that had on her, rather than just being told about it or kind of you know having it vaguely be told about it uh, for, through one division. Um, and I would say for those of you who are watching this, if you have not had the opportunity to check out WandaVision or the Miss Marvel series, I would probably highly recommend checking out both of those before watching this movie. They're not very long. I think six episodes a piece, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so you can go ahead and get through 12 episodes. And I think WandaVision's uh, episodes were relatively short as well. So um, definitely would recommend Miss Marvel, WandaVision, 
and maybe even Shang-Chi. Any other recommendations you guys would have before tackling this film? The first Captain Marvel 2 would probably uh, help. <laughs> probably just because we still don't know which is uh, first in the timeline. Uh, I would say just to play it safe, watch uh, Secret Invasion as well. Yeah, he might be. Did you, you mention right Endgame? I have not mentioned Endgame, no. Yeah, I think End, I think Endgame uh, is important because it gives you a scope of where her power is and which, what she's been doing. Um, so, yeah, add that to the list for sure. Um, next up, um, they talk a little bit about the director um nia da costa she says i'm a big nerd from new york city and here was this hero who was a big nerd from jersey city writing fan fiction the way i used to when i was that age explains nia da costa she says who is also the first black woman to direct a mcu film uh, it was really fun to feel close to that character in that um, really specific way in a way that you don't often feel when it's iron man or thor and she's talking about uh, kamala khan she says, that was so exciting to me, knowing that I could be a part of bringing this character who I've loved for a decade to the big screen. Um, Paris, uh, Tayana Paris previously starred in DaCosta's Candyman, and she raves about her director's distinct voice and ability to find a new perspective on an existing franchise. Even if you work with her once, you do feel like, oh, we're the best of buds, uh, Tayana Paris says. I love how smart she is. I love how strong her point of view is, and I love that she has a very fresh take on material. Um, Aman Vellani adds, she was a really calm vibe, too. These movies are not easy to make at all. There's like a million bajillion little moving pieces. Um, so she did such a great job of keeping the morale high. Even if there were days where they wanted to rip people's heads off, they, were never they would never show it and never put their stress on anyone else. Um, the article says still helming a massive blockbuster has its hurdles, especially when you want to do right by your geeky inner child. Uh, Nia DaCosta says the biggest challenge was finding the balance between my point of view as a director and as a comic book nerd. Obviously, there are changes between the comics and the movies. And sometimes I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Sometimes Kevin would be like, you're being too much of a nerd. Please stop. So she definitely had to uh, tuck her nerd them in a little bit when putting this movie together. But I think also kind of, I don't want to say rightfully so, but I do think sometimes, and I feel this way about Star Wars, is like sometimes I feel like people come in to direct the episode or movie of Star Wars and they're just like, hey, I want to show you how big of a Star Wars fan is. So they just throw in a bunch of things that people sort of like gravitate to, right? But it kind of takes away from the overall balance of the show or the movie itself. You can't get too um, can't get too nerdy on them from time to time, um, but you definitely have to bring in a good um, perspective. And I think you can look at the opposite of that when it comes to like Tony Gilroy doing a Star Wars show, right? He's like, um, anything that's been like connected to Star Wars universe, don't want it. Don't want it. I want to just make something original that feels just in this world sort of thing. Um, so I do think there's a balance of having to just be a director and yet also be a nerd. But there is something pretty cool about knowing that somebody that is a big comic book nerd is helping navigate this movie a little bit. And it's one of those things that's like, I'm sure as a comic book nerd, there are things that she would like to see on the screen that I think some of us fans would probably like to see also. So I'm hoping that she definitely... Um, uh, ups her game here, and I've been pretty impressed with Nia DaCosta as a director overall. Um, so I'm I'm eager to see what she does in her first superhero endeavor. Um, have you guys checked out any of her past um, directorial work at all? 
No, um, not the, not not purposely. I might have on accident. Did you see the new Candyman? Did you guys? Oh, any of you guys yes, see the excellent movie? work. Yeah, that's <laughs> um, excellent, excellent work. I didn't even know that was her. Yeah, that excellent was her. work. Um, so yeah, she's um definitely got some um some things on her shoulders, and we'll see if um she certainly delivers. Um, and then we got some other photos in here too uh, of the villain. I'm not going to get too deep into um uh, into this, but um. If anything, it's a pretty long interview. I would definitely recommend you guys certainly go ahead and check it out. Um, I'll go ahead and bring up some final images in here. But guys, overall, hearing uh, some of these details about this movie uh, combined with the trailer that we wind up getting, is there anything other, any other viewpoints that really kind of like just pop out at you that you're really excited about for this movie? Not something that I'm excited about, but something that I feel is a trope that has been hurting Marvel movies and television shows uh, for a minute now. I feel like we're going to end up with another lackluster villain mm. um, and uh, a villain that doesn't feel like uh, she's, I don't want to see them feel like she's a threat, but just feel like it, big enough a threat for three superpowered, you know what I'm saying, and individuals on the level of these three that we have, that you know what I'm saying, we have going. I feel like this movie might have benefited a little more from a Kang variant. You know mm. what I'm saying? And, mm. and to tie the whole phase together. But we might get that. I don't know. It might be something where Kang is the mastermind behind everything is going on or something like that. Or or at least something more with the with, with what's going on with the scrolls. You know what I'm saying? To push a little bit more of the influence that's going on with um, uh, Secret Invasion. Um, I feel like this phase, especially with these movies, as bad as they're pushing it, have felt less connected. Mm-hmm. Even though they're supposed, to, it's supposed to be more connected in this phase than anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I would totally agree with you. I do feel like they've been a little bit less connected, or at least haven't had that sort of narrative um, guideline as they certainly used to, especially with them putting out so much more content. Um, I will just read one last thing here because uh, it does say, "Meanwhile, Zawi Ashton, who we see here, um, suits up as the villainous Cree revolutionary Dar Ben." Uh, who's fighting to restore her homeland after a long civil war. The British actor tells, um, actress tells EW that she's um, long been a fan of DaCosta's work, and in the early days of the pandemic, she met with the director, hoping to collaborate on a future indie film. Almost a year later, Ashton received her unexpected phone call. She was like, uh, oh, the tiny movie we talked about in the pandemic, brilliant, <laughs> talking about being attached to a Captain Marvel sequel. Um, she says uh, she quickly threw herself into stunt training and comic research, but she also turned to another iconic Marvel villain for her advice, her fiance, Tom Hiddleston, who played the trickster Loki. I didn't know that uh, that's uh, Tom Hiddleston's fiance. It says um, she says it led to some incredible conversations about his experiences being part of this franchise over a decade. Um, it says one of the main takeaways from our conversation was what you put into Marvel, you get back. He said, if you go into this with an open heart and a great work ethic and just want to provide an amazing experience for the fans, you'll have an amazing experience on those sets. He really empowered me in that way. So, um, you know, hopefully, look, I will say this. Uh, having Tom Hiddleston as your fiance, uh, I definitely hope that that ups her game. Not to say that, you know, look out, Tom, we might have ourselves a new Loki on set. But um, I think, one, it's great advice that he gives her. 
uh, in the sense of like, just put your best foot forward, right? Put all of yourself certainly into this work. And if uh, the script is strong and if she can really bring this character to life, um, you know, it'd be pretty cool to see how she works. Uh, I don't want to say opposite Tom, but to see if she can, um, you know, leave a lasting impression, maybe like Tom Hiddleston did as Loki. That's some big shoes to fill, but good luck to uh, Mrs. Uh, Miss Ashton there. Yeah, yeah I actually had no idea that uh, she was, uh, yeah, anyway. Tom Hiddleston's fiance. That's awesome. Yeah, me as, big, as big as the Tom Hiddleston fan. You know what? That That's what's wrong with this phase. Loki season two should have came out a lot earlier. Hmm. I could see that. Um, the, the other thing I was kind of curious about, so bring up the image one more time. Uh, oh, if one? you have it. Oh, the one with, uh, with the villain. I'm bringing it up here in just a second. Go ahead. Cause, um, the weapon that she's holding, is that the same one that, uh, Ronin used in guardians of the galaxy? Yeah, I believe it's, I don't know if that's, I don't want to say that's something that all Krees have. Cause I don't think it is. Um, but yeah, it looks like it's a hammer. Yeah, because I'm wondering, because I remember um, at the end of Captain Marvel, they, you know, implied that Ronan would be back. But of course, we know if you've seen Guardians that, you know, that didn't work out for him. So I'm wondering if this is supposed to be how they kind of continue that. Like maybe, uh, you know, Ronan doesn't fight Captain Marvel, but like his weapon gets used against her. Yeah, I am kind of curious if they bring that up or if they bring up Ronan at all. I got to assume they do bring up Ronan. Um, so it'll be interesting to see where he's been uh, since then. Here we go. Ronan's spirit from his weapon possesses the villain and makes the villain do it what they do. So so Ronan is back through possession. God, I hope it's not that simple. I hope it's not like that. That's just so convoluted. Um, but yeah, it'd be, be interested. It'd be interesting. Um, but yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts. Um, brand new first look at Captain Marvel. Again, this uh, Captain Marvel 2, this movie doesn't drop until uh, November. So we definitely have some more time. And I'm sure we'll get more articles, more images over the next couple of months. But we'll definitely keep you guys posted. I wouldn't be surprised if we get ourselves another trailer here within the next couple of months. Also, uh, a secondary official trailer before the film itself actually drops. Um, but let us know your thoughts. What did you guys think of the Marvel's trailer uh, along with these? first look images and new details uh feel free to go ahead and leave your thoughts in the comment section box below guys uh comments definitely do go a long way around here and a way for us to continue these conversations throughout the week uh so yeah again these are just ra plus opinions but we always want to know yours um so yeah man I'm, I'm i'm really excited for this film blue beetle coming out soon captain marvel coming out soon i think those are probably i, I don't want to say i'm not pumped for Aquaman 2, but Aquaman 2, as we know, may be getting pushed back. Um, but uh, these might be our last two comic book movies for the year. But I think we um, we might be in luck. I think we might be in luck. Yeah, and for a while because of, you know, the strike going on. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's true. Awesome. Um, but, yeah, guys, let us know your thoughts. All right. Uh, and with that out of the way, guys, we will go ahead and transition over to our next topic as um, Christopher Nolan is in the news here this week. I don't know if you guys know or not, but he's got a small little movie by the name of Oppenheimer that has, in fact, dropped this week. It is, in fact, Barbieheimer weekend, uh, as Barbie has also went ahead and released. And if I'm not mistaken, I think they are both doing incredible numbers at the box office right now, smashing domestic records, really coming in with big, 
big worldwide box office numbers. Um, so maybe the movie theaters aren't as broken as some people think. Uh, maybe we should discuss that topic also here in a little bit, Stuart. Um, but Christopher Nolan is back in the news because as he's doing his press tour for Oppenheimer, which is a movie I actually had the opportunity to go ahead and check out last night. I was a good two hours and 30 minutes into it when, unfortunately, Stuart, the alarms went off. Um, oh. We had emergency lights flickering off. They had like a voice come over the speaker asking people to evacuate the movie theaters, had to go out the emergency exit. Uh, lights came up. Bro, I was so bummed. I was so bummed. Um, what, what was the issue? Was there like a fire or something? I have no idea. Like literally we exited and everybody else out of the movie theater wind up exiting. I don't even know if like the mall itself was evacuated or not. I really don't know what happened. I just know when we came out, I didn't see any fire trucks. I didn't see any police cars or anything like that. Uh, maybe maybe they were on the other side of the mall. Who certainly knows? But I hadn't heard anything uh, about what happened. So really bummed I didn't get the opportunity to see it. It's such a long movie, so I'm like, damn, I got to watch this movie again. Not that I'm complaining, because honestly, I am kind of ready for a second serving of that movie. It was intense, uh, incredibly uh, acted. I wouldn't be surprised if uh, um, Cillian Murphy gets nominated for something in here. I definitely know Christopher Nolan is going to be nominated for this movie from director or screenplay uh, point of view sort of thing, but Good movie, and it's one that I definitely would certainly recommend for you guys. Um, but he is doing a press tour. Uh, he is talking about Oppenheimer. But during one of his press tours, I guess somebody brought up the question of like, hey, if you had to uh, pick like um, best casting decision in the world or ever, who would that certainly be? As he's talking about some of his co-hosts in this movie, and uh, Stuart. He wind up saying Robert Downey Jr. Uh, and I thought this would be pretty interesting for us to certainly go ahead and dive into in regards to what Christopher Nolan is talking about specifically for this casting. And look, I think one of the things that we talked about this before all the time, it's like when we think of these big characters that we know and love from the movies, sometimes we look at these characters and we say, nobody other than this actor can play this role like this is the best cast role i've ever seen and christopher nolan believes robert downey jr as iron man is one of those decisions uh so let's go ahead and dive into seeing exactly what he said it says recently nolan spoke with happy sad confused josh horowitz and said the casting of downey jr in the mc was one of the greatest casting decisions in the history of movies he says when john favreau had insight to cast him as iron man i mean that's one of the greatest casting decisions in the history of movies, Nolan explained. And you'll look at what that did and where that went with everything. And I think that was John just knowing what an incredible actor, what incredible potential it was from Downey. And then the movie star charisma, that wonderful charisma comes into play. He continued, what was cool about getting to work with Downey on this project was being able to go to him and say, okay, put that charisma Oh, where did it go? I hate when they do this to me. He says, uh, okay, put that charisma, put that movie star thing to one side for a second and just lose yourself in this real life human being who is so complex and has such an incredible part to play in Oppenheimer's story. Um, and just to um, watch him um, just sort of go back to that genius 
as an actor, just finding the truth in another human being and presenting it and the things he does in this film, I think a lot of his fan base is going to be extremely surprised. And it's really cool to see somebody who's achieved such greatness as a movie star that pivoted completely and stretched themselves in a way that a lot of people haven't seen him do. Um, so high praise, man. He says, I think that's probably one of the greatest decisions in the history of Hollywood. Oh, this is Kevin Feige now talking, bringing that up. Um, he says, I remember on later movies, I would say, Robert, we wouldn't be in this mess if it wasn't for you, meaning we wouldn't have a studio if it wasn't for you. Um, so, yeah, man, John Favreau, Kevin Feige and Christopher Nolan all agree uh, that um Robert Bowney Jr. as Iron Man, one of the greatest casting decisions in history of movies. Um, Stuart, are you going to argue with this man? No. Um, actually, I would actually say that he kind of left something out, in fact, of why I think Robert Downey Jr. was like the perfect man to play Iron Man. Uh, so when they went into production with Iron Man, they didn't even have a uh, completed script. It was a very rushed production. And basically, if you hear all the stories behind the scenes, it, it any other director, any other actor starring in this, it would have been a, an absolute disaster. And the best example I can look at to compare Iron Man to is the very first Green Lantern movie, the movie that DC wanted to kick off their DC Cinematic Universe. Uh, very same thing. Didn't have a completed script and a lot of like the story was kind of carried by the main actor. But unfortunately, unlike Robert Downey Jr., Ryan Reynolds, as great of an actor as he is, as much as we all love him, he couldn't save the movie. Uh, you know, he couldn't uh, save uh, an incomplete script. He couldn't, uh, you know, find his footing with the character of Hal Jordan the same way that Robert Downey Jr. was able to instantly with uh, Tony Stark. Um, that that's one of the that's the other really big reason why I think Robert Downey Jr. was the best man to play Iron Man because there was like a lot of passion behind the character when he was uh, when he was playing it and yeah he kind of throughout Phase One uh, you know he kind of was lifting the MCU on his shoulders for the for the most part most part so. I, I do agree with Christopher Nolan. In fact, I think I agree with Christopher Nolan a little more than he agrees with himself. If that makes sense. Because, <laughs> yeah. Cause like of the, like kind of behind the scenes stories and finding out how he kind of really did save Iron Man. Yeah. I, I will say I, you know, when it comes to this casting, I feel like this has been, this was a fan casting before the concept of even putting together an Avengers movie became a possibility. You know, I remember reading, and this is going to age me, but like Wizard Magazine years ago. And they used to constantly do like casting, like fan castings for movies or like comic books if they ever came to the big screen. And I swear, like anytime that they ever did Avengers, I swear Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark was always up there. Um, now, you know, what's interesting is the fact that Robert Downey always had, you know, a, a struggling past you know he always um I, I don't know if he i can't remember if it was alcohol or drugs or both i can't remember the, everything that happened with him but um he definitely had a lot to prove right uh the idea of john favreau wanting to bring him on i'm sure studios were probably worried like is this somebody that we can certainly trust with the franchise but john favreau certainly believed him in um, and it's just a weird sort of parallel between robert and the, the story of tony stark also uh that i think um, was really eye-opening for some people and one that I think always attracted us as fans to see him tackle this character. And also because he, I mean, God, he he looks like Tony Stark ripped out of the comic book. <laughs> if you were to yes. ask, like, what actor does this look like? Everybody would probably say Robert Downey Jr. 
But I definitely would agree with uh, Christopher Nolan here. I mean, you know, one, I'm sure they probably didn't know at the time making this movie how big this MCU was certainly going to be. But when you have an actor like that, who especially coming back to the big screen, has a lot to prove, not only to himself, but everybody else in Hollywood that he could still do this. Um, I think Robert Downey brought one of his best performances. And I will say this too, Stuart, you know, while he did carry the MCU, you know, after his departure in Endgame, one of the biggest issues that I've had with Robert Downey Jr. has been now that I see him, I feel like that's all that I see is Tony Stark in like all these other movies that he's ever done after his time in Avengers. Um, and I feel like he's probably struggled to kind of get out of that mode. You know, like I'm sure when you are stuck in this MCU world and you're not really stretching your acting chops to their limits um you know maybe you keep some of those tony stark isms with you wherever you kind of go and i don't think he's had maybe super successful roles outside of the mcu since he's wind up leaving so when i hear this from christopher nolan that he's like push that charisma to the side push that movie star mentality to the side and sort of like get back to that genius that we all know that Robert Downey Jr. is as an actor. I got to tell you, Stuart, seeing him in Oppenheimer, even though I didn't finish the movie, he's fucking great in this movie. He's so great. And it makes me feel like I'm watching the actor again. It definitely separates himself. I don't see any likeness to Tony Stark in here. I don't get any MCU vibes. This movie is definitely a movie on its own. And Robert Downey Jr. definitely got into his bag in this film uh, and really brought the best out of his character, honestly, with his performance in here. So wouldn't be surprised if he gets nominated for like supporting actor either at some point in time. But um, I totally agree with Nolan in here. Robert Downey Jr., one of the greatest casting decisions in the history of movies. And I'm sure there are probably other things, other names that we could suggest, which we're probably going to do here in a second. But just seeing where the MCU has gone, um, every movie sort of averaging a billion dollars out, if you wind up taking all those movies for the first three phases and you, you, know, you, you divide them up, they probably average about a billion dollars. That's unheard of. Um, the MCU was able to create cinematic movie history. And all a lot of that has to certainly do with Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. And some people would probably even say not having Robert Downey Jr. right now may be hurting the MCU uh, to a certain uh, extent. Because I think that's just how important that he certainly was to the MCU and just this casting in general. So I, I got to agree with Nolan here also, Stuart. Um, if there are any other casting decisions that have been made in movie history, do you have any other people that maybe, you know, maybe that you feel is better than Robert Downey Jr. Or at least maybe like a close second or third when it comes to best casting decisions. Do you have any suggestions there? Man, it, it's hard to say because, I mean, there's a yeah. lot that I can look at uh, when, when it comes to uh, certain superheroes like uh, uh, Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man, I thought, you know, was such mm -hmm. a perfect uh, casting decision back then. You know, the first one to, uh, you know, be able to play Spider-Man live action to this scale. Um, and, you know, even with all the different Supermans they, that, that we've seen, I think like each casting decision that they made with all the different Supermans were perfect for those individual Superman movies. Um so that all being said, um, I don't 
think any of them really compare to Robert Downey Jr. And again, not just because of how well he played the role, but how well he did that role and how he made that character his own before it was even really fully realized on paper, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think also the dependency that they have on him as a character, yeah. you know? Um, to really help lift their franchise up. Um, Dottila in the comment section says, Hugh Jackman as Wolverine was also a great cast. Yes. Choice. And I, I think Hugh Jackman is probably like A1 or like 1A, 1B. Um, if you're talking about right behind Robert Downey Jr., somebody who's played this character through numerous iterations. Uh, he's been around for years, if not decades already, playing the same character. I mean, God, he's still he's still playing this character. We still have not been able to let go of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Um, and you know, despite how some people might feel about the X-Men movies, I think we could I think it's fair to say, due to his popularity as Wolverine, it's helped lift this franchise up, maybe even given it more opportunities than maybe sometimes it's deserved with all the films that we've gotten X-Men-wise. But concerning the fact that he has been constant in popping up as this character, been through several different iterations in great X-Men movies, as well as bad X-Men movies, I don't know if anybody else really comes as close to Robert Downey Jr. Uh, as Hugh Jackman does, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Indy's other suggestion was Ryan Reynolds as Deadpool. Um, and I think I even asked my girlfriend this question last night. And for her, she said uh, Henry Cavill as Superman. Hmm. Um, so, But I think that kind of goes into the bag of like Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man. Like I can even say like Tom Holland as Spider-Man uh, might be up there certainly for some people too. Um, so yeah, I think there's, I think there's a lot of characters that have good castings that a lot of people can connect to, but as far as meaningful and like what that casting decision did for that franchise as a whole, it's gotta be Robert Downey Jr. And probably Hugh Jackman right next to him. Um, but I am curious to anybody in the live chat, if they have any suggestions or if you kind of agree with both of those sentiments, but, um, yeah, man, I uh, he, uh, he he did a lot, man. He did a lot. And I think even at the end of watching something like Endgame, when you see the credits roll for the final time and they highlight everybody's name, like there's a reason why people probably get choked up a little bit when they see Robert Downey's signature and his final sort of images, Iron Man sort of thing. It's um, certainly the end of an era, but it certainly shows just how much Robert brought to um, not only Iron Man, but certainly did as um, for the MCU as well. Over the years, I've come to uh, appreciate the very last thing we hear in Endgame, which is, of course, Iron Man forging the uh, armor in the cave. Oh, yeah. uh, you know, at first, I, I didn't even know what that was the first time I uh, saw Endgame. I'm like, okay, that that's our end credit scene. We get like a little bit of a banging sound. And then it wasn't until like later someone pointed out, no, that's from the first Iron Man movie. Like literally Iron Man forging the MCU in a way. Oh, damn. I didn't, even, I didn't even catch that. But that's, that's kind of a cool nod to... Um, to where it all kind of began. Yeah. Um, Blossom says, uh, I can't see Iron Man being played by anyone else. Um, and, you know, I would even say maybe, well, there's a part of me that wants to say Chris Evans is Captain America. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't, I think maybe at the time of the casting, I think some people were like, Human Torch? Johnny yeah. Storm? <laughs> um, but he went on to, to be absolutely amazing. But I, I definitely do think Robert Downey Jr. wins the cake here. 
Well, that was what was so funny is like before Captain America, Chris Evans kind of uh, liked to play the bad boy in a, in a lot of ways. Like as Human Torch, he was also in like um, that. I, what was that movie called? It was a movie where it was like people have like these uh, superpowers, uh, but they don't call them superpowers because they don't want it to be a comic book movie. Um I forgot the name of it, but there was that one. And then there was, of course, Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Uh, so it's kind of funny to see him go from that role where he's just playing kind of the jockey type character to suddenly now being like uh, Captain America. <laughs> you know what? We got some shout outs to some people that are in our live chat today, too. Um, they come up with some really great suggestions also. Well, first, let me bring up uh, Morph Henshin. Uh, what's up, Morph? Appreciate you coming through. He says Hugh Jackman as Wolverine is an amazing character, but so is he would say Ben Affleck as Daredevil and Nicolas Cage playing Ghost Rider. Um, you know, I, I, I there's probably a reason why we never got ourselves a Daredevil sequel, but I'm glad that you liked, I'm glad you liked Ben Affleck in that particular role. I've been asking for a Nicolas Cage back as Ghost Rider for the longest. Um, so I'm definitely there with you. Uh, Andre, what's up, Andre? He says Patrick Stewart as Professor X. Uh, was spot on. I would agree with you there. And I would even say maybe Patrick Stewart just as John Luke Picard from Star Trek being an amazing casting decision also in regards to what it did for, you know, next generation along just the longevity of uh, Patrick Stewart's character in Star Trek for sure. It was so funny how Gene Roddenberry did not want Patrick Stewart as uh, as uh, Picard for the longest time. He wanted someone French and he wanted someone with hair. He was trying to argue. <laughs> he was trying to argue it's the future, so balding wouldn't exist in the future. Is that really his? Is that really his argument? Oh or yeah, one of his arguments. Oh, that was God. one of them. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's true. It was some replicator hair, you know, hair growth in your on your bald spots. Yeah, I could definitely see it. Yeah, but I, I could also see like it's the future. So it's like, why would why would anyone care if they decided to like not grow their hair out? If they decided to just let the natural balding come? I don't think. Anyone yeah, maybe would there's judge like that in the future. Yeah, maybe there's like space lice out there. You don't know. Maybe it's best to be bald in space. Yeah, um, but, uh, <laughs> some great, great suggestions, guys. Great suggestions. Oh, the name was Push. Push was the uh, name of the movie I was trying to think of uh, with uh, Chris Evans. I don't think I've uh, seen that movie Push. Yeah um all right um so yeah guys let us know your thoughts how do you feel about christopher nolan naming robert downey jr as iron man as one of the greatest casting decisions in movie history do you agree do you have some other uh names opposite that would certainly um uh push that theory let us know your thoughts in the comment section box below and we'll definitely continue this conversation uh throughout the week Okay, All right. final final one, final one for sure. For it. Uh it's voice acting, so I don't know if it counts, but uh Kevin Conroy adds Batman. Ah, uh, yes, yes, that's true. A lot, of, yeah, a lot of people. Um, Kevin Conroy is their Batman for sure. I don't think a lot of people would argue with you. When I read uh, a comic book that Batman's in, so that's the I, voice. Yeah, exactly. That's the voice that goes in my head. <laughs> <laughs> totally agree, totally agree. Um, all right, guys, with that out of the way, let's move on to our next topic as we transition from the MCU over to the DCU. Uh, as look, DC Studios is trying to wrap up this DCEU. Uh, we still got ourselves Blue Beetle that's set to go ahead and drop later on this year. Uh, we were expecting Aquaman 2 or Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom to drop this upcoming December. But there is talks that Aquaman 2 may be getting pushed back even further. It's almost like Warner Brothers can't get rid of this DCEU like herpes. It just sticks with them. Uh, and they just need to uh, really get over this last film hurdle before we can just open the doors to whatever James Gunn is certainly working 
working on. Um, but one of the reasons why it could potentially get pushed back once again, wind up dropping this week here in the Hollywood Reporter as Stuart Aquaman 2, even though this movie, I think, wrapped production like a year ago, is ready to undergo a third set of reshoots. That's right. A third set of reshoots for a movie that's already costing about $200 million to go ahead and create. We are, in fact, going into a third set of reshoots for this movie. Whether or not this is a good idea on their part, um, what does this tell us? Uh, let's find out. Again, this is from The Hollywood Reporter. It says, Warner Brothers, Warner Brothers' quest to build a better Aquaman sequel. Three reshoots, two Batmans and non-stop test screenings. They're really trying to make this the same billion-dollar movie um, that the first Aquaman wind up making. I think it certainly surprised plenty of us, but I think those that enjoy Aquaman will tell you it's just a fun fantasy adventure, honestly. Um, one that certainly drew people back to see it countless times, and they're trying to recapture the magic again, despite the idea that after this movie drops, um, you know, we're going in a completely different direction. But Warner Brothers has not given up on this film. It says Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom is in, in is in uncharted waters, with the next several weeks potentially setting its course for good or for ill. And Stuart, at any point in time, feel free to stop me uh, as we're going through this. Um, let me see. Do I have my images set? Oh, you know what? I think I went completely over our next topic, but you know what? I'm going to stick here and then we'll get back to our next one. But um, it says the sequel to the DC movie is coming off a round of reshoots that occurred in New Zealand in mid-June. And it involves stars Jason Momoa and Patrick Wilson, according to multiple sources. So they've already had their third rounds of reshoots that just took place mid-June. This is the third round of reshoots directed by James Wan. Uh, that is almost an unprecedented number, even for a movie of this scale. Lost Kingdom has faced several headwinds as it swims towards a December 20 release date. It was postponed several times, and like its DC movie brother, The Flash, it's making a now-spanned three regimes at Warner's. The movie was greenlit under the regime led by Toby Emmerich and Walter Hamada. Uh, as a sequel to Aquaman, which proved to be a surprise hit. Principal photography wrapped in January of 2022. But by the summer, Toby Emmerich was out and uh, Walter Hamada soonly followed. The movie was in the middle of post-production and beginning test screenings that summer. While a timeline is not clear from summer 2022 to the beginning of 2023, The Lost Kingdom underwent two rounds of reshoots and held several uninspiring test screenings. After one round of test screenings, the new Warner Brothers film bosses Michael DeLuca and Pamela Abdi got involved as they were running point on DC until David Zaslav could have found a permanent boss uh, to replace Hermada. Sources say that in the fall... Abby took a strong creative stance and got involved in the editing of one cut. However, however, when that version tested, it scored lower than the previous version. That led to another round of reshoots for this movie. Different versions, different visions of executives notwithstanding. It is unclear what the problems were, but one insider said the story 
uh, clarity has been an ongoing concern. Also a concern, Batman. So it says, Walter Hamada wanted Michael Keaton's version of the character to be like Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury in the Marvel movies, sort of that elder statesman who could pop up in various films, including the now-shelled Batgirl, as well as Lost Kingdom. But shifting release dates also muddled things at one point. Um, it says, uh, late July 2022, two months after Abdi and DeLuca took over Warner's. Ben Affleck joined a round of reshoots as Bruce Wayne to replace a scene that Keaton shot. But then the movie was moved again, this time after The Flash, putting Affleck's appearance in question. The latest cut of the film's features neither version of The Dark Knight. According to sources, as new heads James Gunn and Peter Safran do not want to promise a movie universe that will not come to fruition nor tie it down to excessive uh, nor tie it down excessively to past failures. It was pretty chaotic, said one source. And some of that chaos may not have been the studios or filmmakers' fault. Some of the calendar moves were due to overloaded visual effects houses uh, and things like that. More test screenings uh, cuts occurred in February and again in April. Um and it says it is unclear how Saffron's transition shifted the movie's fortunes, if at all. Insiders say that the filmmakers were in the dumps over the seemingly never-ending post-production process and waterlogged test screens. However, the skies may have cleared with new reshoots. It says uh, Gunn is said to have weighed in on the most recent cuts and their leadership approved a five-day shoot. Sources say the shoot went so well that Juan and the company completed it in only four days. It says, and to some, the fact that Warners is willing to keep spending money to make the film better shows that the studio has faith in Lost Kingdom. Uh, it says, according to sources, the filmmakers of Blue Beetle and other remaining DC movies uh, that was made during the AT&T era and comes out in August asked for and received two additional days of shooting. Saffron had also been a producer of Blue Beetle on before his ascension. Uh, it says um, Lost Kingdom is already an expensive production. It was greenlit for $2,005 million budget and shot during a pandemic. Additionally, every frame of the movie involves visual effects, another major cost, and the reshoots have only raised that overall budget. Um, so, yeah, man, a lot of moving pieces going on. And, Stuart, this would not surprise me. If by the time all the reshoots are done, if this movie costs almost $300 million, bro, uh, I think um, when I think of this, I think of like Indiana Jones uh, in the sense that that movie was like $295 million. Um, I don't even know how much The Flash cost, but it almost feels like despite the faith that they might have in this movie, and I appreciate them continuing to try and make this movie better. Um, I almost feel like there's no way that this movie breaks even uh, if you're trying to release this movie with nearly $300 million budget at this point. Uh, granted, it doesn't say that it's $300 million. They still say $205 million budget. But when you take in three reshoots and add visual effects, I'm pretty sure this is probably pushing the limit here. Um, so let me start off with you, Stuart. You hear this. Do you feel Warner Brothers should still try and make this the best movie possible, regardless of how much it's costing them? Uh, do you think there's a potential that this movie could still break even and do big numbers? 
Uh, or do you think this is um, sort of all for nothing at this point in time? And just your overall thoughts of just how the trajectory for this movie has been. Yeah, I'm going to be honest, man. I think this is all going to turn out to be for nothing because, um, you know, looking at the flash and everything it had going for it and how that's still like underperformed, I feel like we're going to have the same issue with the uh, Aquaman movie. I think the problem is going to be because the budget is so big, they're just, they're not going to be able to uh, make back their money and they're going to be losing a lot more money in the long run from this movie. I think one of two things would have been smarter, either uh, a, um, I mean, I'm glad they didn't go with plan A because uh, I it pissed me off so much when they did it with Batgirl. I would have been even more pissed off if they did it with Aquaman. But, you know, I think A would have been a better, uh, a smarter option of just like, you know, doing the tax um, uh, thing that they did with Batgirl and just like, uh, you know, scrapping it. Uh, again, glad they didn't because I hated the fact that they did that in the first place with Batgirl. But um, option B also would have been smarter too. And that is to, if you're going to do reshoots, um, use those reshoots to add a sense of finality to the DCEU because this is going to be the last movie that like uh, was meant to be part of that DCEU, like, uh, you know, franchise, uh, you know, going forward, it's all, it's all going to be DC universe stuff. So I feel like the smartest reshoot you could have done for this would to give some sort of finality um, to the DCEU as a whole. But given the fact that, uh, it sounds like very few actors were brought on for these reshoots. I don't think that's going to be the, the case. I don't know how you can do a sense of finality with only Jason Momoa's Aquaman. So, um, and I think because a lot of audience people know that like, you know, this is part of a universe that isn't even going to continue anymore. I feel like people just know there's no point in uh, seeing it. If you're hoping to see it build up to something even bigger going forward, you know, it's going to be a standalone movie and I'm not sure how many people are going to be excited for that. We'll definitely have to wait and see. Uh, before I comment on your thing, Stuart, I do want to bring up Blossom once again. Coming through with the $2 Super Chat. Thank you so much, Blossom. Ooh, I really you. appreciate that. Yeah, definitely is going to go a long way to the channel here. Uh, those suits are badass. Um Visa are a bad wait, those suits are a bad idea. Holy macaroni manoli. <laughs> you come up with like the funniest phrases, uh, Blossom for sure. Um, I don't know if you meant to say those are badass or the suits are a bad idea. Uh, who knows? But you also did say uh that suit on Aquaman, talk about sticking with the old source material. Um, yeah, talking about the um the uh the classic uh, Aquaman suit. I've always loved this uh costume yeah. of his, honestly. It was I'm glad James Wan was able to bring that to life without looking ridiculous. He she says he he looked a lot better without a suit. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he does. <laughs> I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure a lot of women would agree with you, Blossom. Um, but yeah, thank you so much for the uh, super chat. Again, guys, feel free if you want to go ahead and support the channel monetarily. Uh, super chat definitely does go a long way with up in the production value for the show for sure. Um, and I'm sorry, continue along with your your comments, Stuart. Oh, no, that, that was pretty much it. I, I don't think it's going to be worth it in the long run is what I was getting at. Uh, what about you, Andy? I don't know how much of this article you've read or some of the um, the quotes that you might have heard some of the sources talking about in here. Uh, the three reshoots going over three different management regimes. Um, no longer having Batman in here. Warner Brothers still putting money towards this movie. Do you think this is all for nothing uh, or does it say something to you about Warner Brothers that they still seemingly have faith in this movie? Um, stop it! Just put Bad Girl out. <laughs> like, like said, like seriously, at this at, at this point, put Bad Girl out on streaming. I, I wasn't a fan of the first Aquaman movie. Um, 
because I don't feel like Aquaman is Aquaman. I feel like it's Jason Momoa playing in water. Like it, it doesn't really feel like Aquaman to me. Um, although the villains, a lot of the supporting cast to me was really, really good. But again, I think this is another movie that was eventually hurt by all the stuff going on behind the scenes. Um, with everything that they had with the with the Amber Heard stuff, just like with the uh Ezra Miller stuff. Um, I I feel like if the Amber Heard stuff wasn't going on and all the stuff with the Batman stuff, that this movie would have been came out. Um I don't think it has the hype behind it that it once did. And they're eventually going to lose a lot of money. You know what I'm saying? When this movie dropped to me, I would just be like on to the next one. I would drop it streaming somewhere, like, like throw it on HBO max or something like that. Um, maybe do something like similar to what Disney did with, um, black widow and, you know what I'm saying? Put it behind a pay window for a minute, uh, to earn some type of uh, money or, or stream it for free with a whole bunch of ads, you know? I, I'd be cool with that if I had an ad popping up, you know what I'm saying, every 30 minutes during the movie, like a uh, minute 30 of ads, um, and it still wouldn't interrupt my viewing experience in order to make some of that money back, but I, I think it's done. I think it's for them to go ahead and move on to the future and and fully um, just jump into James Gunn's vision of what this universe is supposed to be. Yeah, I think, if anything, I am fascinated to... Um... I am fascinated to learn like what reshoots James Gunn is doing for this movie. You know, if we've had Michael Keaton in this film, if we've had um, Ben Affleck in this movie also, uh, and they're now cut out, I am kind of curious as to what is it that James Gunn wanted to put in. And with that wrapping up of these reshoots, because it looks like according to the article, it says just Patrick Wilson and, um, Jason Momoa were brought in for reshoots. So I do wonder if they are changing the ending or if they're just adding more context, certainly to the story. If one of the biggest complaints that they were getting was story clarity, uh, maybe they're bringing in uh, these two. Maybe they've done some past rewrites, um, brought them in to maybe add more depth to the film, I think would certainly probably go a long way. But uh, it does make me wonder what the ending of this movie certainly is going to look like. I I, I don't expect um, George Clooney to pop up in this movie uh, as like a see now. Now the whole world has changed. But I am kind of curious if there's any hints as to like anything that's changed in this universe at all. Or if they're literally just going to end it on whatever note this particular um, series or this particular movie is certainly going to end on before we get to James Gunn's stuff. But you know, I guess for me, I guess my thing is, you know, if the reshoots are simply just to try and make the movie a little bit better, that's fine. I think they probably just figure, you know what, we're going to lose movie on this money probably anyway. You know, let's just eat it and just try and still make it the best movie we possibly can. Um, but again, it's just like, why even spend that type of money? But um, hopefully it's um, hopefully it's changed the course of this movie. But I'm still not expecting this movie to do the same numbers uh, that it once did um, the first time around. Unfortunately, I just think the trajectory that we're seeing right now with the box office doesn't make any sense. But um, if anything, I, I you know again they haven't made it official that they're moving Aquaman into 2024. So there's still a part of me that's just like let's just get this movie released. Uh, and if they can still aim for that December release date, uh, I'll be a happy camper. Because I, I think for me, the worry that I would have would be 
well, if you're not going to release it in December, when do you release it? And if I'm James Gunn, I want this movie as far away from my movie as possible um, to just give people like, let's give them some time to get that taste out of their mouth of what the franchise was previous like previously like before getting them reintroduced into sort of this brand new world because if you're dropping next december 2024 summer 2020 you know 2024 i think that's just a little bit way too close so if you can meet that december deadline please do so i mean if these reshoots took place in june uh you know there's a part of me that's like i don't see why we shouldn't still release this in december but uh, maybe they also, at the same time, want their actors to be available to promote this movie as best as they probably could. Maybe they saw The Flash and was like, yeah, we didn't highlight or you know promote this movie as best as we certainly wanted to. Maybe they feel things can change if they can push this movie back past the WGA strike and the SAG strike in order to properly promote this. Do you think that would help any at all, guys? Proper prom- um, promotion and marketing for this film? It would help. I- but not by a lot, I don't think. Uh, to be totally honest with you, as, as long as we're waiting to put this movie out, I feel like the promotion for this movie should have been happening. Like it should have been something that they they were already doing even before the strike, and they weren't doing that. So I don't think anything's going to help. The only thing I think I feel that would help this movie coming out is if it dropped when nothing, there's absolutely nothing else to do. I think the only thing that could save a lot of movies that are coming out right now is the fact that. There's not too many new shows going to be on television. You know what I'm saying? Uh, all we got is what's coming to theaters right now. So it might be a, oh, we ain't got nothing else to do. Let's go see Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Hey, you might be you, know, you might be right there. Um, yeah, because if anything, definitely don't want to put it during a time when it uh, cannibalizes itself at all. Uh, or is it near another movie that's sort of like it or shares sort of the same audience and i think that's kind of why we're seeing the explosion at the box office right now um the idea that you got Oppenheimer doing such great numbers alongside something like a barbie uh because they do have like just two completely different audiences for the most part um but what i think what i find interesting is that people are using that to do double features because they are just vastly different but i think that should also give a sign to hollywood that Maybe the box office isn't as, I don't want to say isn't as broken as it is, but maybe it has a lot more due to planning and where you set these release dates for these big movies. If you're stacking them certainly on top of each other and they all share the same audience, uh, that's definitely just going to cannibalize each other. So hopefully maybe the release of Barbie and Oppenheimer um, allows these executives to have better um release date plans certainly going forward but um so we'll see we'll see how this uh, movie does once it drops but guys let us know your thoughts aquaman 2 going through some of the same struggles that the flash did now that it's gone through three different regimes over at warner brothers discovery uh, and it seems as though james gunn and them are just at least trying to make this a solid film worth enjoying despite having to put so much money towards it so we'll see what the end budget of aquaman 2 is going to be uh, and we'll see how well it does at the box office but guys let us know your thoughts in the comment section box below um and Blossom did clarify her question, uh, comment. She says, no, I mean they're a bad idea. Um, not that I have a crush on him. <laughs> she says he looked better without the suit. Uh, some armor would work. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with that. And I guess we lost um, Stuart. Yeah, he'll be right back. All right, guys. Uh, with that out of the way, 
you know, I did miss one topic that we were going to go ahead and dive into today. Um, and as we get to our next topic, let me go ahead and bring that up. Um, it's going to be our San Diego Comic-Con recap. Um, you know, despite the studios not being in attendance here this year, um, I will say I think a lot of these panels really took advantage of it. Uh, and I think we've had the opportunity to really highlight some other additional great content that's out there uh, for you guys uh, uh, to enjoy that's upcoming. Uh, and we wanted to go ahead and share some of those with you guys today. It may not be all the news that came out of San Diego Comic-Con, but definitely some of the ones that um, piqued our interest, to say the least, Indy. Um, so let's go ahead and talk about some of this stuff. Uh, again, this uh, went from Thursday to Sunday. I believe today is, in fact, the last day of the um, convention itself. Uh, we got our boy uh, Michael. One of my friends, Michael, is out there this year getting an opportunity to check out some fantastic panels and um, pick up some great merchandise. But let's go ahead and dive into this, Indy. Um, you know, you mentioned Borderlands this week. Uh, you mentioned Borderlands earlier today. We did get ourselves a um, a release date. Um, Borderlands, August 9th. You're right. Um, August la- uh, 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 in theaters, August 9th, but it's 2024. 2024. 2024. So it's not like in the, like two weeks. Because uh, I was like, I, for a second there, I looked at it and I was like, wait a minute. Is it really coming out this year? Um, but yeah, 2024, you see the lineup, Kate Blanchett, Kevin Hart, Jack Black, Ariana Greenblatt, uh, Florian Montanu, and Jamie Lee Curtis. Uh, I don't believe, I don't know if they showed any footage or anything like that at the panel, but they at least did give us an official release date. So, uh, yeah, the Borderlands movie, August 9th of next year. It doesn't need to come out at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was like, who asked for this though? But yeah, no, n- not not this, n- not this with this cat. No, man. Just the go. way that oh, just the way the direction you think that they're the, going. The in? the whole theme of how the story's gonna go. I mean, they're finna just ruin Borderlands for me. Like Borderlands has one of the best stories. Is one of you know what I'm saying one of the best uh, loot and gun games uh, ever created. Ha- has a very 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 deep and diverse you know what I'm saying backstory, and then listening to their concept of what they're finna do it tells me that whoever wrote this movie has no idea what the video game is <laughs> um let's see here what else we got here this week um we did get ourselves a gen v poster uh the upcoming spinoff for the boys even though the boys season four i believe has been delayed due to the writers and actors strike i think it's mostly because of the writer strike um but we did get ourselves a brand new poster here for one of the main characters um as gen v the upcoming boys spinoff is still set to go ahead and release september 29th uh that's going to be on amazon prime Uh, i'm kind of really excited for this uh this feels kind of like my Hero Academia meets uh, the boys and as ha- hard R as you can possibly imagine. Um, I honestly think like if you saw the boys, uh, I don't even know if they're even going to be able to hold a candle to what Gen V is going to push when it comes to just the envelope of uh, violence and maturity for sure. Uh, but they're definitely about to have some fun with this. Um, do you know anything about this character by any chance, um, Indy? I have no idea about the character. I'm I'm really just as far as the boys go. I'm really just uh, as far as like the mainline uh, comics. Mm-hmm. But um, if 
if it's going to be anything like anything else we watched uh, from that universe, I'm I'm 100% in. I'm 120% in because the, the, it's just some really good writing, really good acting. And I feel like whatever they do, they're going to hit it out the park. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you there. Um, what else we did, got? Did, okay. Please tell me you're going to talk about the Mortal Kombat 1 announcement. Uh, I don't have that up here, but if you if you want to talk about it, you can. Uh, of of Homelander, Omni Man, and uh, Peacemaker being care uh, being guest characters in yeah, the um, yeah in the Mortal Kombat One video game in the, in the season in the character pass. Oh, that's going to be excellent! And the fact that you got um you got JJ coming to actually do the voice for Omni Man. Uh, I, I can oh, just he's, a, he's actually doing the voice for him. He's in there? actually doing the voice for uh, Mortal Kombat One, so um, it's going to be interesting to see these characters, uh, the banter that goes on between them and I'm certain other characters in the game. Let me pull up um, this lineup here because they actually have a ton of uh, additional characters I did not expect. Um, but yeah, they definitely um, Homelander, as you can see here, Omni Man, Peacemaker. That's who the other person was, Peacemaker. Yeah. That they're yeah. bringing on board for uh, MK1, uh, so that that's pretty cool. Uh, I think Homelander and Omni Man are just so perfect for this game, uh, especially if you checked out the first season of uh, Invincible. It's pretty remarkable, especially Omni Man. Uh, Omni Man being in that game might be a little bit overkill. Yeah, it might be. <laughs> you might be right. Um, <laughs> give me a yeah. I can't wait. Omni Man versus Homelander. I'm sure that's going to be a great uh, matchup in MK1. Uh, Marceline says for MK1, I'm more excited that they're bringing in all the C&D list characters, uh, make them important to the story. Um, and then shout out to Tony Robinson. Appreciate you certainly coming through. Uh, well, this will give some people a chance to watch shows and films they missed. Uh, glad to have you around, Tony. Um, what other um, things came out of San Diego Comic-Con this week? Oh, Power Ranger fans, uh, rejoice. Um they finally had a Boom Studios panel this past week. Uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers The Return, a limited event series from Amy Jo Johnson and her boyfriend, uh, Matt Hodson. Um, artists to be announced soon. Um, so they haven't announced the artist, but they have, in fact, at least showcased uh, some concept art. Uh, as this is, in fact, um, Austin, I don't want to say Austin St. John, Jason, uh, the Red Ranger here. Apparently, so this is their way, Boom Studios' additional way of celebrating the 30th anniversary here. Um, since Amy Jo Johnson did not appear in the Once and Always or reunion special for Netflix, this is her way of certainly giving back to the fans. Her and her boyfriend, Matt Hats Hodson, have in fact been working on uh, writing a limited series event. This is that limited series event for MMPR. Um, I believe this actually takes place in an alternate reality, but it does pick up 30 years after the events of the MMPR series. But again, just in an alternate reality. The, so the, the, the comic series or the television series? Um, the television series. Okay. So Amy Jo Johnson is picking up the story uh, from the MMPR television series. Um, but she's picking up the story 30 years later, and this is set in an alternate reality. Um, Boom Studios so, hasn't missed when it yeah, comes Boom to Power Rangers. Boom Studios does an incredible job, um, honestly. If I haven't been reading the comics uh, maybe for the past year, year and a half or so, um, but I've had the opportunity of checking out some incredible storylines and huge crossover events, um, and I'm sure they probably still have some incredible storytelling power. 
Uh, I just haven't been able to pick up these issues. But Amy Jo Johnson, the original Pink Ranger, um, is set to be writing this. So it's again, it's called Mighty Morphin Power Rangers: The Return. Um, you actually get to see a Kimberly Hart here. Um, she's looking like she's been going through some shit. Also, uh, I don't, I don't like the character like, design, but yeah, I don't know if I like the. It looks like her her face is sunken in, like she's been on addicted to something. Yeah. I don't know what she's been going through a tough time. Is that is that I, her I hair? She, thing. <laughs> it looked like they just took a soca and made her look human. It does kind of look like a soca face without <laughs> the. I can kind of see that. Um, but yeah, she looked like she'd been through some shit. Uh, Zach looking like he's doing good. He looked like he like a father of three, got a nice home life going. Like he invested well in the market. Uh, got a little bit gray going on here. He looks like he's been keeping keeping himself in pretty good shape. It looked like they just literally just digitized Walter Jones. <laughs> <laughs> just aged him up a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I added a couple of great spots here and there. <laughs> Hey man, black don't crack, right? Um, but uh, and I I love this design for Jason. Honestly, I don't know what route they're going, but they've given him the big cloud sword almost. Uh, they've put him through the ringer. Um, it looks like one of the like a wanderer or something. I don't know, like some out of a fantasy. It, it looks like it looks like future Jace, uh, future Tommy. It looked like they went um, give us uh, give us uh, Homelander mixed with uh, Tommy Oliver. Like it looks like Wanderer Tommy. Like they just trying to oh, we're just use Jason and and give him the last give him the uh, Ninja Turtles last Ronin outfit. And, and yeah, the last Ronin. Yeah, I can see that. But uh, he look yeah looks like a lot. He looks like a lion. Like you know what I'm saying. Main gray. He does. Uh, he looks really like a little Loganish to me. Yeah, it, it's kind of like how I would imagine him. It, it's like how I would imagine him looking if he existed uh, in the RPM universe. Yeah. Ah, like a post-apocalyptic, like surviving some shit type of thing. Yeah, yeah, I dig he it. He looks like uh, what's his name from um, he looks like Negan should play him <laughs> in the live action. <laughs> oh my god, yes, I could totally see that. <laughs> no. Um, but I thought that was actually a pretty cool um San Diego Comic Con reveal that we wind up having. Um, I need also... that. I need that. I haven't picked up anything Power Rangers since the Omega Ranger run. And mm. that, that might actually be something um, that I pick up. And knowing her, um, I'm really looking forward to seeing if she pays homage to uh, JDF and Tui Train. Um, with uh, so you know what I'm saying somewhere within the within those pages. So like I'm I'm boy the, when that drops, I'm there buying every cover. Yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. And we'll keep you guys posted on when it's set to release. I don't know if they gave a, a release date out there yet. Um, just trying to artists to be announced soon. Yeah, I don't. I don't see a release date yet. It just says coming soon. But I definitely expected this year to celebrate the 30th anniversary. Um, we also got some new Percy Jackson uh, posters. I don't know if this shows a release date yet. No, it doesn't show a release date. But we do have um, some posters here for Percy. Uh, Annabeth along with uh, Grover. Uh, so we got three, our trio here for Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Um, I think they might have even, maybe they might have showed some exclusive footage at St. O Comic Con. I'm not quite sure, but I don't believe that they ever released these to the general public. Um, but uh, we do have some brand new um, character posters. So I thought that was interesting. Uh, and we also have... The Continental, I think this dropped today or sometime yesterday, 
The Continental did show exclusive footage at San Diego Comic-Con, but unfortunately, we do not have that for you guys. Um, but they did go ahead and release this brand new banner along with some set photos for the upcoming um, three-part event. This is going to be on Peacock uh, from the world of John Wick. As you can see, this is going to be a prequel series uh, taking place before the series itself. Um, so Deadline actually reported on this. This is the Continental is right around the corner. The John Wick prequel series that explores the iconic hotel for assassins will premiere on Peacock September 22nd with the first episode of the three-part event titled Night One. Episode two will debut September 29th, and the final episode will hit the streamer October 6th. So it looks like we're definitely getting it um, one week at a time uh, for the next three weeks. Uh, it says this news comes um, during San Diego Comic-Con, where the audience was also treated to an exclusive in-room footage from the upcoming series. Uh, and they talked a little bit about it. But the series itself, it says it stars Colin Woodell, who you see here, as a young Winston Scott, the hotel manager at the Continental. It will explore the origin behind the iconic Hotel for Assassins uh, centerpiece um, of the John Wick universe through the eyes and actions of Woodell's young Winston as he's dragged into the hellscape of 1970s New York City to face a past he thought he left behind. Uh, it says Winston charts a deadly course through the hotel's mysterious underworld in a harrowing attempt to seize the hotel where he will eventually take his future throne. Um, so yeah, some really great um, photos that we wind up getting here uh, as well. And I believe this is probably a younger version of the actor that just passed. I can't never remember. I can't remember his name, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, he was in the John Wick movies. But I love the idea that this is sort of a period piece taking place in the 70s. I think it's going to add a really fun sort of dynamic to this. Um, but yeah, San Diego Comic-Con revealed the Continental three-part event. Remember, September 22nd, September 29th, and August 6th are the three dates. Um, are you guys excited for this? Yeah, I uh, was already excited for this before when I thought it was just like a movie or I thought it was going to be like a series that just kind of like took place like during the events of John Wick or like somewhere in between like the events of John Wick. Um, but I didn't think it was going to like actually add anything to the lore or the universe. But now kind of like seeing uh, the type of movie that they're trying or the type of mini series they're trying to make where it's actually like an origin story and it actually kind of adds a little bit of a layer to that. That gets me actually like way more excited for this. What about you, Indy? It's John Wick lore. So, yes. <laughs> like, like, like it. it's, it's nothing else to say about it. It's just like Fast and Furious movies. I go see them. You know, like, <laughs> I'm going to watch anything, John. It's certain stuff that if they come out with it, I'm, I'm tuned in. You know, the, mm -hmm. the the Winchesters was a horrible prequel, but it was supernatural. So I watched it. So you watched it anyway. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. Whether whether it's good or bad doesn't matter. It's a part of a world that I love and enjoy. Um, and then we also got um, some brand new Walking Dead trailers um, as we are introduced to the new Rick and Michonne series. We wind up getting ourselves a little bit of a teaser trailer for that. Along with um, Daryl Dixon, uh, we've talked about um, that logo is still horrible. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. <laughs> um, but let's go ahead and um, actually, I don't know if I hold on. Let me uh, can't stop this share real quick. Hold on, just want to make sure I'm not sharing audio here. 
Um, but this is, in fact, the teaser trailer for the Rick and Michonne series. But they actually changed um, they actually changed the title of it, uh, which I'm really glad that they did. Uh, it's now titled The Walking Dead, The Ones Who Live, uh, as they wind up dropping this brand new uh, teaser trailer here. Um, and then things change as we get to see good old Rick certainly returning. I found out that he's alive. So they confirm it. Uh, it seems as though Michonne is, in fact, looking for him. But coming 2024, no official release date yet, but uh, sometime next year uh, we should be getting that. Um, did that get you pumped, Indy, seeing just a little brief teaser trailer? I'm, I'm already pumped for the Rick and Michonne. The, uh, the, the, the Daryl? Daryl Dixon. <laughs> It's, you know, it's such a reach. It is you know, such a reach. You think so? Um, I, it might be. It does feel kind of a reach when I first saw it. You know, look, when we talked about this during the, the teaser trailers and some of the photos that they released last week, you know, I, I don't necessarily think I was that excited for this. I didn't know where they were going with it at all. But getting the opportunity to see it um, in this trailer and opening up the world a little bit more. Uh, for me, it's actually kind of got me a little bit more excited for them exploring this. Like, there is something cool about him really being in this completely different landscape now that Daryl's over it in France. How he even got there, I certainly have no idea. He clearly doesn't even know how he got there also. He drove his motorcycle there. He Come drove it now. into the ocean and just floated on his motorcycle? Yes. Yes. It just, it just rode it on top. He's, he's, he's walking dead. He's Jesus. Daryl Disc can do no wrong. I, I think this is like just based off of where the character began and where he's at now. I think this is just such, such great sort of character development. And this sort of now puts him, it feels like very much in that Logan uh, mentality or at least that protector mentality. Um, you know, whether that be Joel, Logan, um, like, hey, there's this important person you got to protect uh, and traverse this huge country and deliver him to wherever he's got to go. There is something kind of cool about seeing Daryl Dixon in that role because he has kind of taken up that protector sort of role since he kind of started uh, or kind of uh, evolved into that particular role. But um, for me, it's going to be interesting to see him in a completely different environment, brand new characters. How did this sort of apocalypse uh, affect an entirely different country. I, so I do think that there is a level of sort of freshness that has now been injected into the Walking Dead franchise after such a long time. I mean, with so many spinoffs, you got to do something a little bit different. And I kind of, I kind of dig the concept of Daryl being in this particular role, and I think it'll benefit the show overall. So now that I've seen more of it and gotten the idea of its concept. I'm a little bit more on board than what I was before because it felt just boring. But I would agree with you, Indy. That logo is atrocious. Um, but but outside of that, I'm 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 here for it. I have to raise my hand for this one to be able to to to, to say what I'm going to say because I want to make sure that you guys are looking at me when I say this. And this this is my views. This is not the views of the channel or whatever. But um, there's only been one person that Daryl protected that lived. He do, he do, he does it. I didn't say he was good at his job, <laughs> but that's the I'm role like, they gave him. I'm like, they would have been way better off sending Negan over there. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, okay, I haven't uh, kept up with The Walking Dead since season nine, as you guys know. Um, but I do remember there was a huge thing where they dragged it. They dragged it for the longest time. But they're, like it felt like they were really building up to a Carol Daryl uh, romance. Is that Was that still in the show by the time it ended? Or did they kind of like just drop that? It's, it's not a Carol Daryl romance. It's more of a, a mother-son uh, mother type of thing. Because cause uh, Carol ended up getting with the... Uh, the king, the king of the friggin' land. That's right. The, the tiger. I totally that's forgot right. About I remember that. that's and then, right. And then him in, and yeah, yeah, and those two are at odds. You know what I'm saying? Because for the longest, he didn't trust him and stuff like that. But it was more of a mother son relationship. And actually, that was one of the best parts. Like the last two seasons, is the routes that Carol took to get stuff done, and Daryl not agreeing with it, and then them two being at odds and actually splitting from each other for a while, and then coming back together and seeing that friendship come back was one of the best uh, things of the last two seasons. And I think that's what really got people super, super behind Daryl, even the Daryl haters that um, executed um, him to be having a, a his own spinoff series. And yes, they're technically divorced, but they're still not over each other. I mean, they're divorced because Ezekiel was acting different because of him losing his kingdom, him coming down with the illness and everything like that, with the cancer coming back and, and, and the different ways they want to handle things. Carol's whole uh, drive the last two seasons, like her ideology just totally shifted. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like Carol became that look at the flowers like 24 <laughs> seven Yeah, <laughs> by any means necessary. And the Ezekiel and Daryl both did not agree with that approach that she was taking to handle situations. Yeah, she did. She definitely went on that extreme end for sure for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, man, you talking about it makes me want to finish off this series. It is. I want to go back and check it out. The last, the last two seasons, if you take them for what they are, especially the last season, is actually really, really, really good. It's just the pacing and the way they tell the stories. But mm -hmm. if they would have stuck it, it, them trying to fit too many characters and close too many, you know, what I'm saying story threads. If they would have just stuck to mm -hmm. the main characters they've been building up since then, it would have worked. But I didn't think they were prepared for losing Michonne and Rick and the story yeah. just kind of stalling. You know what I'm saying? Stalling like it did. Like, I don't think they understood how important Rick was to that story. But the imagery and ideology that Rick had was so embedded in Daryl, you know what I'm saying? Because that was his brother that it, it, it helped push stuff along when they started to push Daryl more to the forefront. Um, so, yeah, The Walking Dead continues. Uh, we've got plenty of content for you guys. And if I'm not mistaken, um, Dead City, along with Daryl Dixon, have both been confirmed to get season two orders. Um, wow. So Dead City clearly no. did some. Yeah, Dead City clearly <laughs> did some things right. They're going to be getting the season two. Daryl Dixon hasn't even started. And we got ourselves a season two for the series as well. So they're definitely I'm trying committed to think of to who he, I'm trying to think of who he's thinking about. Who died? It's so many people died in that show that I can't even think about who died in season eight that was controversial. Um, but let's go on to the next one. We'll talk about that hmm. later. Um, the next yeah. one that we're going to dive into, uh, a new trailer came out for One Piece. Oh, it was um, Carl uh, who died in season eight. That was controversial. That wasn't controversial. That little asshole. I'm sorry. Anyway, I, anyway, I, broke, I, I just broke let's continue. We got to continue on. We got to continue on. I'm walking dead. But One Piece dropped a brand new trailer for us this week. Also, getting a much even bigger look at the uh, Straw Hat crew here. Um, it is set to go ahead and drop August 31st on Netflix. But man, I got to tell you, you know, look, I 
I know a lot of people complain like, hey, you know what? Cowboy Bebop looked this good also, or, you know, that looked like a great series before it even dropped and a lot of hype behind it. But, man, I got to tell you, the more and more I see this show, um, just images of it, this looks so much fun, man. Uh, like visually, the aesthetics are incredibly pleasing in here. You can see just visually where they put a ton of this budget and stuff towards. I mean, they're talking about how expensive this series certainly is to make. And I think for me, again, just hearing the creator just talk about their cohesiveness and maybe even sometimes struggles um, to get on the same page between them and Netflix if this is them struggling to get on the same page and then finding sort of that recommitment to really bring that story to life, uh, I think the creator really got his way here. Um, and visually, it looks it looks hella fun. Um, so I'm going to trust that the storyline is definitely there, especially with just how committed they are from the creator standpoint to be um, um, in line with just the series itself um anime and manga so um this looks fun to me man I, I cannot wait for august 31st to get here for um for one piece but do you guys feel any differently or is it the more that you see of this world and it's designed does it get you even more pumped this box is heavy um soapbox <laughs> you're gonna go i didn't soapbox. i didn't i didn't know you were gonna talk that long let me stand uh, on this sorry. Right <laughs> um one thing uh you can't use the cow cowboy bebop is to me a way harder story to put into live action it being like a space opera you know what i'm saying uh type thing is it's way harder to to bring the visuals and the emotion to that than it is this there's a reason why one piece has been running over 1000 episodes because of the way they tell stories the way they they break down each individual character i mean in every arc they spend time on every member of the Straw Hats, on every villain to show you the motive to, you know what I'm saying, do everything. It's the way they tell the story that's gonna make this so so good. The, the, the thing that's gonna be on top of that is the fact that it visually looks like One Piece. Mm -hmm. Like this par for par looks like it's supposed to look. They understand the fandom. Look at look at that, look at that gum gum. You know, I mean, it's, it. look at this, this, this is, Point in, point out. We took this out the anime. We took this out the manga, and we put this in the show. The most important points. It was sold me on this when when Luffy took that hat off and put it on her head. That moment when I read it touched me. That moment when I saw in the anime teared me up, bro. I'm gonna break down when I see that in the live action. I cannot wait. I was I was one of the people who were really criticizing this. Like, why would you take something that was so perfect? Even um even Samuel Jackson, everybody's seen the little uh video that's going around of him talking when he was talking to Howard Stern about anime, and then he was talking about One Piece. He was like, "This perfect thing. You don't watch anime. This is the greatest story ever told." You know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I literally can't wait. And the whole thing about it is, this is the perfect thing for Netflix to do because it is so much lore and so much story already out there for them to adapt that they don't have to sit and wait on anything uh what's his name cowboy bebop was a short series already you know they was able to do that damn near the whole thing in one season man we're gonna if, if this does well which it will do this is going to be one of the most streamed things ever on netflix we, we're looking at eight nine ten seasons of lot of live action one piece 
and and we're talking we're talking about high viewership numbers if you if you want to see something do incredibly well wait until you see what the numbers are from this one piece um i just hope they pay their actors i'll just say that um what about you Stuart? when you hear when you see these uh, this particular trailer anything stand out to you what are your thoughts I, on it i think what's hilarious is that i almost um to an extent like hear me out first i almost disagree with everything indy said uh in the beginning there when he was like talking about how one piece is easier to adapt than cowboy bebop i think cowboy bebop could have been a very easy anime to adapt i just think they did a really bad job of it um you know i think on paper it would have been easy but one piece is one where i'm like um where i haven't seen much of it all right I, I should point that out i actually didn't watch a lot of one piece i saw like a little bit of the beginning of it when it first aired on cartoon network but that was about it uh but you know it's kind of like it, it has a very much like that that shonen vibe in the sense that it works as a manga or as an anime but i don't see how you could make something like this uh work in live action but after seeing this trailer um you know i'm definitely i'm on board with this uh it it looks like they capture the uh, heart of the anime, uh, but visually they know exactly what to change in order to, you know, make sure it translates well to live action. Whereas like Cowboy Bebop, it felt like they were like borrowing the visual style from the anime without really recognizing why that style was there the way it was in the anime. It was just like, oh, hey, this looks cool in the anime, so we're going to take that and we're just going to do that exact thing, but live action, which made it go from being a really serious, because, you know, Cowboy Bebop to me is like one of the more serious animes. It's one that you watch and you take it seriously. And it made it like really hard to take it seriously when you saw visually that exact thing in live action. Um, but here, you know, you're taking an anime that's always been like a fun adventure. You're putting that in live action. And it captures that spirit um, and only changes so far from what I've seen from the trailer, what it needs to change in order to fit a live action, you know, world a little bit better. Yeah, I totally agree with you guys. Um, um, both of you for sure. Um, and I cannot wait for this, guys. Um, so yeah, August 31st, mark your calendars. Um, let us know after seeing this uh trailer, are, are you even more invested in um One Piece? Uh, or are you still kind of on the edge and hesitant about it? Um, but I do think all the uh, moving pieces are certainly there. Um, so we'll see uh, how it comes together, but we'll definitely all get the opportunity to check this out uh, in just a matter of uh of weeks. Yeah. But um, what else did we wind up getting this week? Um, oh, yeah. Let's dive into this other one here. Uh, Invincible um, is back in the news. Um, we've been highly anticipating more details for a season two. Um, but before even getting to a season two, uh, we wind up um, getting some new posters and images um, that they went ahead and released. Let me load these. I thought I had these loaded. But again, it feels like... Um, Streamyard just be deleting stuff on me before I even get the chance to to view it. But before we even get into season two of Invincible, we also have ourselves a special episode that just dropped. Um, Invincible Adam Eve. Uh, they got a special episode for her currently up on Amazon Prime. Uh, this feels very much sort of like a um, an origin story for her. Uh, as it explores just her past and her upbringing and things like that. They went ahead and released this um, little teaser trailer here. 
over at San Diego Comic-Con, but I'm glad that they're giving uh, Adam Eve um, an opportunity here to really shine. Uh, she was a, a great character in the first season of Invincible, um, somebody I definitely wanted to see a little bit more of, so I'm glad that she's getting a little bit of her own special. So I would assume you would check this out before you even dive into season two, but visually it looks fun. It looks like it's still got the same art style from um, Incredible, uh, or Invincible, I should say. But um, yeah, this looks um pretty good. How are you guys feeling about this? This kind of came out of nowhere for me. I was not expecting this to be revealed at all at San Diego Comic Con. Uh, same here. Uh, but I think what was so cool about Invincible, having not read the comic but only seen the uh, show on Amazon, um, is I like how they just really drop you into this world of superheroes, very similar to uh, Marvel and, and uh, DC. But unlike them, these this isn't a world that was like kind of you know slowly built up over like eighty years. This is a world that's like just been fully established as a fantasy superhero rule. So, um, so I, it's it's a world that can easily make spinoffs, like whenever they want to, you know, based on whichever popular characters they got in this and i think um this is a uh i think uh starting with an adam eve spinoff movie is a great way to go yeah i i think so too um i again i don't know if this is a movie i think this might be just a one-off episode i don't even know how long it is but it is available currently on amazon prime so if you guys want to check it out it is currently up there um and you know you mentioned Stuart too the idea of like this the idea that they just kind of throw you and thrust you into the world of uh, that this world's already populated with superheroes. I think that's one of the fun things about what I'm looking forward to when it comes to James Gunn's DCU. Mm -hmm. um, you know, when it comes to the MCU, they very much built, sort of built it up one hero at a time. Um, so to be able to take that concept and see how well it's worked for um, other franchises like The Boys or like Invincible, I am kind of curious to see how it'll work for the DCU as well. Uh, Marcelino does say, I hope you guys review Invincible and Gen V. Um, maybe we will, Marcelino. I think, um, we, I think we did, did we, the we did a season review of the uh, Invincible, right? Invincible, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I believe we did also. I don't know if that's on this channel though, or if this was on if this was on the old channel. That the old channel, yeah. Um, okay. and the um, runtime, the runtime for Adam Eve is fifty minutes. Oh, okay. So it is like a little bit of a special, if you will. Um, so we did get that trailer. Um, but we also did get ourselves um an Invincible season two trailer. Uh, finally, uh, I feel like this was like becoming a gag um, at this point in the sense of like, when are we getting this um, series? I still don't even know if they've released a, a release date. Uh, look it up. See if they actually released the, a release date yet for Invincible Season 2. I know we had gotten this poster earlier in this week, but I'm not quite sure if they ever gave us an actual official release date. It just said coming soon, um, but maybe it's something that they did reveal at um, San Diego Comic-Con. Um, November did... November third, twenty twenty three. Okay, November third. Oh, it's it's oh, that's we part. Had, we did post it. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. part one. Part two will premiere early twenty twenty four. So they're breaking it into two parts again. And the two parts. Oh God! <laughs> so we got to wait longer to finish this series. Like they, we, they just teased. I remember seeing what was the what was the the teaser we got with him and the Seth Rogen character where they're sitting in the cafe and they're like teasing the idea of like when is this even supposed to be coming out mm -hmm. and they'd have no clue um so now that they've teased us with hey it's coming in 2023 oh by the way it's only one part that kind of sucks man so you know, an animation's hard so i prefer them to you know be able to finish it make it look all polished rather than you know release a half finished product 
that's honestly what we're accustomed to because like they do they do it with all animation especially like netflix disney plus w and stuff like that they do they did the same thing with young justice i mean you would get part one and you get part two later i mean it's it's kind of uh, they do it with anime it's kind of what i'm used to now you know well anime is even worse it took them like a year to finish one of the animes i was watching and i was like come on this is this is ridiculous but um I'm 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 all for it. I mean, if 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 it's ten, let's say it's ten episodes. If if part one is five episodes and then part two is five episodes, I, I can rock with it. Especially when they say it's gonna come early, 2024. So we're probably looking like February, March. We have a hit in September, and then February, March get part two. You know, you get that little bit of breathing room, and then it's. I'm pretty sure is it, uh, because last time they had it spaced out, Invincible. Then the boys came out. And then when the boys was over, Invincible came back. Hmm. So, yeah, maybe they'll maybe they'll um, spread it out like that. Um, but yeah, if anything out of this trailer, I will say the voice cast is not only impressive but it's huge. Uh, and I feel like that's what this trailer really wanted to go ahead and uh, point across to us. Um, and a returning J.K. Simmons. Uh, so I will be curious to see how a returning Omni Man uh, is even utilized in this. But I am ready to see Invincible get to that next level here uh now that he is officially a full-fledged superhero um but uh yeah man it looks like it's gonna be pretty stacked uh and rather exciting but let us know your thoughts guys in regards to get an opportunity to see the teaser trailer for invincible season two do you i'm do very you think, oh no go ahead i'm sorry no, no no you go first i uh do you think that uh that uh steven young is gonna catch uh johnny young bosch in voice acting Ooh, maybe Cause I'm like the uh, people, a lot of people don't know a lot of the, vo- a lot of the characters that uh, Johnny Young Bosch does. And then you got Steven Young comes out and he just does, he just does iconic, you know what I'm saying? Uh, characters. Like people don't even know that uh, Johnny Young Bosch uh, voices like Ichigo's, you know what I'm saying? English dub and you know what I'm saying? Does the English dub for Trigun, for Vash the Stampede and different stuff like that. So I, I wonder if he's going to end up catching, you know what I'm saying? That status that johnny has you know what i'm saying in voice acting because stephen young is and from what i've seen from him so far is just amazing what what else is he uh voice acted besides uh besides uh invincible if you, Stephen oh, Young. that's right he's in tuca and birdie I, I totally forgot yeah. about that he plays speckle <laughs> and he's great also in the um limited series beef on um netflix it's not voice oh, yeah, acting yeah. work but he's really great. A uh, really great performance is in there, and I think he actually well, even got nominated for an Emmy for his well, role in uh, in Beef. So definitely yeah. check it out. Well, Glenn died, so Invincible could fly. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, but yeah, guys, those are just some of our um, uh, things from San Diego Comic Con. We wanted to go ahead and talk with you guys about. Um, so yeah, let us know your thoughts in the comment section box below. Looks, and there might be some other things from San Diego Comic Con we didn't get to or get the opportunity to talk about. Um, so if you want to bring those up in the comment section, you certainly can. Um, oh, never mind. And with that out of the way, let's move on to our next topic, shall we? I'm sorry. Um, I didn't know he did Keith. I didn't know he was Keith. And, um, oh, Voltron. Voltron. Yeah. Ah. Still coming through as one of my favorite uh, Voltron characters, man. I used to, growing up as a kid, I wanted to name myself Keith because I always thought Keith was so damn badass and so cool in Voltron. Uh, yeah, just all you need is a robot lion at him. And maybe one day. 
maybe one day. All right, guys, let's go ahead and move on to our next topic. We got two more before we even get to your live viewer questions. So let's see if we can go through some of these rather quickly. Um, speaking of childhood um, series that I used to love growing up as a kid, um, Masters of the Universe is back in the news. Um, this movie has been trying to launch once again for years. Um, things have been rather promising over the past several years. I felt like we've been, um, getting some casting announcements. Some people have backed away from this movie, more casting announcements, and it's kind of been in sort of like production hell since then. Um, kind of, um, not really been getting a lot of news until this week. And unfortunately, not good news for Masters of the Universe as it continues to fail to launch. Um, let's go ahead and dive into this, man, because as a kid that grew up a huge He-Man fan, somebody that grew up um, watching um, this Dolph Lundgren Masses of the Universe like on a weekly basis, renting the VHS from the nearest video store, I used to watch this movie on repeat. Uh, and while you know I may still dabble in it from time to time, I am ready for something more modern, uh, something a little bit more to the times here in 2023. Uh, I would love to see this brought to live action once again. We've had several animated iterations of it, but according to Variety, it says Masters of the Universe movie deal at Netflix, uh, movie deal dead at Netflix after at least $30 million in development. Mattel is shopping for a new buyer. Um, this is fresh off of, I think we had Kyle Allen that was recently cast um, to play Prince Adam and He-Man. Um, but apparently that is no longer happening. It says Variety says Masters of the Universe, a live action movie based on He-Man and the slew of other popular Mattel toys is officially dead at Netflix, according to multiple sources. Insiders say that close to $30 million has already been spent on development costs and the cash that's been shelled out to hold on to talent, like previously announced lead Kyle Allen and film's heat-seeking director duo. Um, other knowledgeable sources estimate all-in costs for the development at twice that figure. So they might have actually already spent 30 to $60 million to get this off the ground. The latest headache for He-Man and Friends only further complicates the property's treacherous journey to the screen, one that goes back as far as 2007. Um, uh, Warner Brothers and Sony Pictures and countless writers and directors like John Chu and MCG have all gone and, you know, come and gone. The latest implosion at Netflix, according to five individuals with knowledge at the project, was over budget concerns. A spokesman for Mattel confirmed that Masters of the Universe is no longer at Netflix, but did not provide any further comment. Um, it says, um, the characters formed a much-loved 1980s animated series, which developed a cross-generational fan base during its syndicated runs. For the latest film iteration, the, the budget came in at over $200 million, with cameras set to roll this February, sources said. Last spring, however, Netflix was confronted with a stunning stock drop that saw the powerful streamer shed $50 billion in value after investors concerned uh, became concerned about the company's subscriber losses. Uh, in the aftermath of the sell-off, it says Netflix head um, 
tried to reassure the industry that they still had money to spend amid the Wall Street woes. However, sources close to Masters of the Universe said that that after that point, the streamer refused to shell out more than $150 million to see up-and-comer Kyle Allen pick up He-Man's sword. A source familiar with Netflix said the stock drop was irrelevant to the budget issues on Masters, noting that its content spend has been flat $17 billion for two years despite market fluctuation. So they're pretty much saying that despite the stock drop and loss of, of, of value, this is something that's normal for Netflix. So the idea of them losing 15 to $17 billion probably shouldn't have been the reason as to why um, um, it's uh, caused them to um, – to go ahead and ax this, but the idea of maybe Netflix not wanting to spend upwards of $150 million, uh, that certainly could be um, a big issue. It says producers brought back a proposed $180 million budget to the table and Netflix still balked, never handing the movie an official green light. One source with knowledge of the budget talk said that the final figure included costs spent on development. Netflix and filmmakers even considered shooting Masters of the Universe and a proposed sequel simultaneously to amortize the expense, they added. Multiple parties said the streamer is enamored with the filmmaker's siblings but could not reach a middle ground. It's telling that Netflix would bail on such a significant investment. Part of at least $30 million spent in development was paid to Sony. Uh, and the decision to do so further illustrates to Netflix um, in 2020, 2019 per sources, and the decisions to do so further illustrate the challenges of making huge film franchises exclusively for streaming platforms. Um, so yeah, that seems like a, a pretty big reason. I mean, look, I, it's one of those things, guys, where if there's any complaint that I think a lot of us are having maybe these days is that these studios are forking over a ton of money to make these movies, right? Like you even have people, filmer, you know, producers, directors out there saying, Hollywood, you have got to reel in sort of your spending for these films. Um, it's really hurting them financially at the box office. A lot of these big budget films right now are just not either breaking even or making that much of a profit these days. And maybe the writing is certainly beginning to be on the wall for some of these studios and even streamers in a sense of we're really forking over certainly a lot of money to go ahead and create this. Uh, and if the script isn't tight, uh, if it's not really good, it's going to be really hard to certainly get that money back in any way, shape or form. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me uh, that Netflix is balking at the idea of spending that type of money. But honestly, it is almost at the same time, guys, interesting in the sense that when I think of Masters of the Universe, I just think of like this huge, expansive world. And I almost think like $200 million seems kind of appropriate for what it is that you want to be able to achieve. But that still is a lot of money to certainly fork over. And this, this article continues to go on and on. But Masses Universe has failed to launch. It has always been uh, in this sort of predicament and have just never caught the wind in its sails to finally take off. But let me start off with you, Stuart. Uh, you hear this and maybe some of the reasons Netflix has killed this movie. Is this a film that's ever going to get done? Uh, and just what are your thoughts about this movie not being able to launch? 
I mean, if this movie ever does happen, I just I don't see Netflix as the platform for it to be released on. I don't really see any streaming service being the, uh, you know, place that you should release a He-Man movie on. This feels like a type of movie that should be released on the big screen, uh, you know, by a major studio. Uh, You know, when you look at the visuals of He-Man, if you want to recapture that, you know, and really stick to the true spirit of He-Man, you kind of this is one of those movies where you can't cut any corners. You kind of have to go all out if you really want to capture like the heart and soul of uh, He-Man as a whole. Um, I think it was really weird that Netflix put so much money into this only to then back out, Uh, you know, and then (laughs) and then they wonder um, and then people wonder why Netflix won't pay their actors uh, because they'd rather spend their money on, you know, things that they decide they don't want to finish up. Obviously that's definitely a big part of it um, as we're seeing through this. So yeah, it, it kind of bums me out that we're not getting going to see it anytime soon, but it gives me hope that, you know, a bigger studio will pick it up and it could be a lot more like a true to form type of He-Man movie, um, you know, and not just another masters of the universe where to, uh, where to save on money. They just stick them into the real world, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I hope not. I hope not. Um, because look, I, I will say this later in the article, you know, it does kind of bring up the Barbie sense of things. It says Mattel has reached media saturation past months as Warner Brothers marketing has been at hyperspeed promoting the July 21st opening of Barbie. While the Netflix fallout over Master Universe hasn't surfaced in a significant amount of press, the corporation has participated in Mattel CEO has been touting its value in plain sight. He says it's as big as Marvel and DC is what he told the New Yorker recently. It's hundreds of pages of characters and sorcerers and vehicles and weaponry, you name it. And then you flip through the pages and here's a movie and here's a movie and here's a TV show. It's endless. So they're very much taking sort of that logic that I feel like Netflix has really been diving into lately about the idea of really picking up IP that you can build cinematic worlds around that you can kind of get the most bang for your buck and how many movies does this does this uh you know pop out how many television series uh can we do out of this and this kind of harkens back to that rebel moon Zack snyder article we talked about the past couple of weeks when um netflix literally asked him so how big can this be and Zack Snyder opens up his 450-page Bible, right? So it's very much the same mentality of like, look, hundreds of pages of characters, lore, fantasy, magic, weapons, right? I mean, he's really pushing the envelope in to say that $250 million budget is well-deserved for this when you look at the ultimate plan of where this wants to go. But it seems as though Netflix is not necessarily kind of on board with that. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And look, maybe the idea of Barbie as a Mattel brand doing well at the box office, maybe Masters of the Universe now gets more buyers or more people interested in tapping into Mattel. Once again, I am kind of curious to know your thoughts on this, Indy, um, hearing all this information. Any reasons why you think Netflix decided not to do Masters of the Universe? And do you think there is something in investing in Masters of the Universe or no? Uh <laughs> One of my points, Marcelino just bought up um, Netflix's failure to previously try to start their own cinematic universe with Jupiter's legacy and mm-hmm. and how bad, you know, what I'm saying that uh-huh. tanked, even though the concept and the 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 I, I liked what they what they took from the source material they put on screen. It was just so decisive between fans and Netflix already has 
the uh masters of the universe revelation animation um mm. written and directed by kevin smith first season was done by kevin smith and mark bernardin that uh popped up that was so friggin def- def- like just totally divisive between the uh between the he-man community to the point where like kevin smith had to come out and talk on his podcast like what is the problem you know what i'm saying you got i'm just as big a fan as you are and we put this where we thought it was supposed to go and you guys are just freaking killing us you know what i'm saying because y'all want classic uh classic he-man but classic he-man was just made to sell toys and we're trying to actually steal stories you know what i'm saying so uh, it could be something Netflix is looking at like that because this is something that if you do it the wrong way, you will never recover from it. Like, like there is there is no oh we messed up they don't like that let's redo it. You can't Thundercats, He Man, Silverhawks. Uh, uh, the I, the only reason I think Transformers was ever to rebound because of the fanfare it got from the very first movie. So they were allowed to make mistakes. You know what I'm saying down the road. But if you do this the wrong way, just like the original He-Man movie was done wrong, nobody says that is a great movie. We hey, all hey, look hey, at hey, it. hey, 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 hey. This was a masterpiece. Do you hear me? It, a masterpiece. If you, if you say so, sir, that was trash. That it was, it was, it was literally suburban commando, but people were walking <laughs> around with, you know what I'm saying, half their clothes on. It, it, the, the, it made no sense. It had no, there was nothing He-Man about it. You know what I'm saying? Like Shout Dolph out to Lundgren. Dolph Lundgren and yeah. Frank Langella. I think Frank Frank Langella did a, a great Skeletor, though. Yeah, but I, Skeletor to me wasn't Skeletor. Dolph Lundgren didn't turn into a big black man. You know what I'm saying? Like it it it, it wasn't it wasn't cool for me. And <laughs> you can't mess something up like this because your target audience, regardless of who you want it to be, is going to be '80s babies. Mm-hmm. It's going to be us who is going to run to this and tear it apart because it it, it doesn't feel nostalgic. The problem is, is that we tear this down. It's not about nostalgia. You know what I'm saying? It's about uh, letting the future in on what worked in the past and getting them connected to what we do. If we looked at it as they're making this for our kids and now this is something that we can have in common and we could take them back like, yeah, this started back here. This, you know what I'm saying? It's Sometimes it's easier to do with music than it is with others, other sorts of mediums. But if if it, if we could look at it like this is going to connect this this is why we're not out here doing dumb stuff because we had stuff like this you know what I'm saying they're doing teachers ways <laughs> because think after every episode of GI Joe after every episode of He Man Transformers we always Lessons learned a lesson day. yeah mm-hmm. we always had a lesson of the day tell me where you get that at now I'm still trying to figure out how SpongeBob can light fire underwater <laughs> so it it if they can get back to doing something like that. You know what I'm saying? Uh, th- there's one show that does it better than anything that I really love that I sit down and I watch with my kids, and that's Bluey. Oh my God, yes. You know what I'm saying? Like B- Bluey, Bluey feels so old school to me, but with a new school twist. If they could find some way to do that with these movies and these animated shows and stuff that they're doing, they'll be good. We we won't have any complaints. But the problem is, is that they're taking everything that we love and turning it into what the kids like now. And 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 it and it's nothing of what it used to be. It's a shell of what it used to be. I am um I am curious if this were to get picked up by any streaming service. Uh, one, do you think this should be movie in theaters or streaming service properties? And if streaming service, 
who do you think should pick this up? Paramount. Mm, Paramount would be a good good choice. I don't know why I go back to Amazon. I go back to Amazon because they give, uh, I think, the most money to their uh, to their shows and movies. I think they, they it, their production looks more expensive than anything uh, that you get from a Netflix original or from a Hulu original. Because when I when I envision Masses Universe, especially kind of grown up, and if we were to do a modern take on it, I mean, I I I, I look towards things like a Witcher or um lord of the rings um game of thrones um something that's a little bit mature grown up but still in that fantasy world and if you can build and put together like include like magic and alchemy and you know weaponry and vehicles and stuff i think that could be i i do think that there is a world that we live in where a masses of the universe live action can be successful or do you think those days those days are long gone no I very much so think it could be successful. The thing I feel like this wrong, like Amazon, Netflix, like uh, HBO and stuff like that, is that the stuff feels episodic. It, it feels like it's just episodes. But like, I don't know if it's just because Paramount Plus is what it is. You know what I'm saying? It, when when stuff goes on there, it feels like a movie, no matter, you know what I'm saying, what the budget is. Uh, when Paramount Plus puts something out, just because they're putting it out and they don't put much out, it feels like it's more important than, you know what I'm saying, than, than the other streamers. The other streamers are always just throwing stuff out there mm-hmm. and seeing what sticks. Oh, um, man, I want to say there's um, breaking news here. Um, Dottila just sent us a trailer link for Legend of the White Dragon. Ooh. And um, I was actually finna mention something about that from the uh, because when we was talking about the con stuff, and I forgot, um, because b- before before you go into the breaking news, uh, they did have a panel at Comic Con, and the movie, and it was supposed to come out on September fourth, which is gonna be Jason Jason's fiftieth birthday, mm-hmm. but it's being pushed into the first quarter of twenty twenty four. For the simple fact that after Jason's death, there was so much fanfare that they were actually able to do like a million dollars worth of reshoots in order to um, be able to better prepare the movie. Um, uh, I got to watch part of the opening uh, because I had a friend that was there and it was really cool because when you walked in to sit down at the panel, they had a single in the middle of the table, a single Green Ranger helmet. And then when the cast came out, they left that middle seat empty. Mm. you know what i'm saying and to let to let them know jason will always be there with us and then they premiered a scene of um jason's character and his daughter's character you know what i'm saying interacting with each other and then she had a lot her and aaron had a long talk about mental health and um her understanding uh of her dad putting into his work because we're not all going to sit out here and say that jason david frank was the best actor right because he he wasn't he wasn't the best actor, but I've never seen somebody pour more of himself into a role, you know what I'm saying, and hoping to be able to touch somebody than I have him. And I think that's one of the reasons why I I don't want to say idolize, but one of the reasons why I look up to him so much, you know what I'm saying, and I hold live fearlessly, you know what I'm saying, quota, because he wanted to make sure that everybody felt good about themselves and about where they were going at the end of the day. And just wanted to put something out there like that. So, um, if, me, if you um, don't, if you don't play the trailer, I'm going to dip out and go watch it. 
Well, I'm trying to. We keep talking, bro. Let's, let's, let me pull this up. Hold on a second. Let me, let me pull this up here. Wait a minute. Uh, I do apologize. Uh, well, first off, let me just give. Um, um, we do not own the rights to this footage. This is um, belongs to um, Bat in the Sun. I don't know if there's any Aaron, other production companies. Aaron, there. Aaron I, ki- I kickstarted the heck out of this. We should be able to play this without being flagged, sir. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, like, people can watch this exact trailer for free on YouTube. So it's not like we're stealing any views or any money. This is us just reacting as fans. And we're look, actually just, giving just, you a just, view right now. Yeah. And I just yeah. liked your video also. So we're helping you out here. All right. Let's yeah, go exactly. check. Let's go ahead and check this out. The prophecy tells of a duel between the two dragons of a shared crystal. We must join together to prevent the schemes of evil men. Peregrine, there is so much you don't know. All that matters is that you are now a white dragon. Spirit to fight is still strong within you. You took everything from me. You can't change the past. You have to let it go. No! All you can do is show up now. Well, let's see what we're working with. Jesus. Where is Eric Reed? Ah! Oh, damn. Superhero landing. I love that theme. Hey, Boogie, man, if you're watching this, like, I know you probably are. If you're watching this, sample that theme for me. Prophecy told. That's a sick theme, bro. I, I need I need to make a song to that theme right now. Sample that theme for me. <clears throat> oh, man. Just alone seeing JDF and Mark uh, Dacascos, uh sorry if I butchered that last name, just seeing the two of them spar is like one of the most exciting things like ever. Like, I, okay, so I saw that first, that, that scene that was in the trailer. I saw it at a WonderCon and I almost wanted to just jump out of my seat and, and fucking cheer right there. That was so cool. <laughs> and Aaron, Aaron needs to get his credit um, because he does, he's done mocap for like Spider-Man and different stuff like that um he is an incredible athlete you know what i'm saying and martial artist and acrobat in his own right and i'm looking so much forward to the uh the 1v1 you know what i'm saying that that those two are going to have with uh jdf and aaron i i will butcher his last name if i try to say it um you know i i can never remember the the actor's name on that plays sort of like his mentor in this that he's the guy that's narrating um, mm-hmm. the Iron Chef guy, and he was on John in John Wick also and a bunch of other stuff. Oh, um, yeah, that was uh Mark uh uh can never his name. Yeah. Um yeah, I'm really excited to, like like you, Stuart. I'm really excited to see them on screen together. And I think also well, after watching this trailer, I do appreciate him being the one that gets most of the narration and voiceover stuff. To me, it almost to me, it's almost one of those things where it's like he's clearly the best actor out of all of them. So he's probably got some of the strongest um, uh, roles and lines to kind of deliver in here. So it's like, let's uh, let's let, let's put him uh, at the forefront in this. What? What, Indy? How dare you poo poo on David Ramsey? 
I mean, look, he he pops up in here every now and then. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he's got one or two scenes in this trailer. Um, I mean, look, David. No, I'm taking anything away from David, but you know, I I like Mark. I do. Yeah. No. This this the other thing is that David. Every time we see him, he seems to be in the exact same area in the exact same outfit, making me think he probably did like one day. Like one scene. Yeah. Yeah. One scene in this movie. It'll be probably one day of shooting, but they use that one scene like throughout the whole movie to make it look like he's in throughout it. What if the what if the entire movie takes place in one day? Ah. Like, like what if it's a crazy twenty four hours? I mean, that would be pretty cool. I, I kind of dig the concept of how quick that pacing might be. Yeah. Um, visually, I think it looks pretty good. I think they got the um, special effects look pretty good. Fight sequences are definitely going to be there. Um, I, I'm still waiting to see what the performances are definitely going to be like. Well, but um, if anybody got, to, I'm sorry, if anybody got the chance to watch Ninjak versus the Violent Universe, um, that that Bat and the Sun did. Um, you can t- you you feel a similar vibe, but you could tell they had a budget this time. Oh, you can yeah. tell that the, you mm-hmm. can tell that the yeah. Kickstarter worked because the the Ninjak stuff was really good. But if they would have had a budget and did that, it it would have been way better if they. But they, they weren't going to be able to kickstart something. You know what I'm saying, like that. But this, yo, like I'm I feel like it's money well spent. I feel it like, like I feel like it's going to be really good, and I, I'm I'm upset that jason's not going to be here to you know what i'm saying reap the rewards for you know what i'm saying the job well done yeah, the only thing know. this is missing that can make me like fanboy over this so hard is if, no, no offense to aaron but if steven amell played the villain oh my god yeah hmm, that would be pretty <laughs> dope um but uh yeah guys thank you for that dante love for bringing that to our attention here for a little bit of breaking news and get the that girl a raise yeah <laughs> yeah we definitely give her a raise uh <laughs> we do have one last topic though one last topic for you guys uh and that does get into the form of our star wars bag Stuart, because you know we got to find a way to plug oh, yeah. star wars in at some point in time but uh as we wait for the next star wars movie to arrive we got three on the docket right now one by james mangold uh one also by dave filoni and we also have our third one that's going to be a ray skywalker movie potentially her forming a new jedi order um with this announcement though now that we're getting uh different eras to be explored in star wars where it's the either the dawn of the jedi whether we're in sort of like the um what is it the new new republic era that dave filoni's movie might take place in or past the uh, First Order era, um, going into this new Jedi Order era, if you will. Um, one of the big questions ha- that has been coming up is, if we are getting ourselves a Ray Skywalker movie, who might actually pop up in that movie? Is Oscar Isaac going to come back? Is John Boyega even mentioned to possibly return? Well, this past week, John Boyega himself has been in the news as he has uh, shared his thoughts that, hey, He's pretty open to the idea of returning to Star Wars, uh, and I think that's going to make a lot of fans pretty happy. Uh, let's go ahead and dive into this, Stuart. Uh, this comes to us from Tech Radar, as he had the opportunity to sit down with them for an exclusive interview, uh, as they talked about him possibly returning to Star Wars. Um, so it says, um, John Boyega, uh, first off, as editors know, this took place prior to the actor strike. Um, But it did say that John Boyega has revealed that he's open to making a return to Star Wars universe, but only if the project is the right fit for him. In an exclusive Tech Radar interview to promote his new Netflix movie, They Clone Tyrone, Boyega confirmed that he hasn't fully closed the door to appearing in future Star Wars films. However, he suggested it would have to be right time for Finn, the character he played in the franchise 
sequel film in order to show up. Uh, it does say in a lengthy GQ interview back in 2020, Boyega also hit out at certain sections of the Star Wars fan base for racially abusing him and Tran. At that time, Boyega said, I'm the only cast member who had their own unique experience of that franchise based on their race. Let's just leave it like that. It makes you angry with the process like that. It makes you much more militant. It changes you because you realize I got given this opportunity, but I'm in an industry that wasn't even ready for me. Oh, that's pretty powerful stuff. Uh, nobody else in the cast had people saying they were going to boycott the movie because they were in it. Nobody else had the uproar and death threats sent to you there uh, through their Instagram DMs and social media saying black this and black that and you shouldn't be a stormtrooper. Nobody else had that experience, but yet people are surprised that I'm this way. That's my frustration. Um, and we'll, we'll talk about that here in just a second. But it says, in the near three-year period since that interview, Boyega has made his peace with his experience as a black actor in Star Wars. And it's unclear what the future holds for Finn in Lucas's, um, Lucasfilm's iconic universe. But there's growing speculation that he could see him in future Star Wars movies. He says, um, when asked about returning, he says, um, those comments was a few years ago, so they were the subject of that particular project. But I'm open to all characters and scripts that are enjoyable, have a great cast attached, and a terrific director. So yeah, I'm open to all opportunities, is what he said. So very much open to it. Um, and we've talked about this before in the past, Stuart. That um, you know he's had the opportunity to sit down with Kathleen Kennedy. Um, and kind of hash things out. He says, you know, that comes after supposed talks between Boyega and Lucasfilm President Kathleen Kennedy, who have buried the hatchet over uh, Boyega's previous quotes, as he made it very well known that um, he didn't really care for how his character was certainly used. Um, but since then, I think we've heard several sort of um, articles that have talked about Kathleen Kennedy, along with John Boyega, actually sitting down and working through the situation. Um, so it seems as though ever since then, I feel like this isn't the first time that we've heard that John Boyega is open to return, but he's kind of confirming it once again here. Um, what are your thoughts in regards to some of his comments, Stuart? I'm not going to lie. Very, very surprised. Not just because of, uh, you know, the way he was treated by like fans and everything, but even kind of the way he was treated, uh, you know, by the producers, by the production and everything like that. Not, um, not, not necessarily like on set, but more in like the way his character was kind of like, you could tell that they didn't really have a specific direction in mind with his character, which is something that he himself even brings up. Uh, so to see that he's still open to come back, I think is really cool of him. Uh, you know, that's something I did not expect. It's, um, uh, if I'm not sure if uh, we'll talk about this uh, later, but then like uh, even kind of bringing up like, you know, what he brought up earlier about like the types of threats and emails that he would uh, get the fact that he can kind of go through all that and still kind of keep his head up and come out on top uh, and still be willing to come back to the franchise, you know, just really amazes me. Uh, but if he does ever come back, you know, I, I look forward to it. I really hope he, uh, you know, has a more thought out arc. And I, you know, like he says, you know, it's gotta be the right script. So I really hope, um, you know, if they have, if they have it, uh, an idea for him to come back, I hope it's not just, you know, he's there to, you know, add more characters to the movie. I hope he's like there because like, he's very essential to the story. Oh, you're uh, muted. 
Uh, yeah, I hope so too. Um, I, I hope that they have learned from their past mistakes, and if they do bring him back, that he's got, um, you know, a significant role to certainly play. Um, it is one of those things. Like I think the only way John Boyega comes back if is if Kathleen Kennedy tells him, like, "Hey, we effed up." You know, um, we, you know, we'll take the L on this. We're sorry that we treated you the way that we did. Um, but I think the fact that Kathleen Kennedy and him were, you know, big enough to sit down and talk through things probably promised him like, hey, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole again. You know, we we've, we've hopefully have learned from our ways. Let's kind of prove it to you. You know, we're being much more thoughtful and thought out in regards to the movies that we're putting out now. Um, and, um, you know, I don't want to say they promised him anything, but maybe the promise is like, Hey, if you want to come back on board, we know that you clearly love this world. John Boyega was a big star Wars fan. Um, and despite how he was utilized in the movie, I think it's fair to say that people still loved Finn or at least seeing John Boyega play that character and probably thinks there's so much more potential for this character to really grow that I would love to see him kind of come back. But the fact that he's open to it now lets me know that him and Kathleen Kennedy clearly have had some talks and she's kind of reassured him like, hey, this isn't, you know, this this may not happen again. Or especially if the racial backlash starts happening again, the fact that Lucasfilm will certainly have his back this time around and not necessarily let him flounder in the wind. But I, I am kind of glad that he brought up that time and really expressed himself in the sense of like, you know, having that type of stuff thrown out to you really changes a person. You know, I appreciate him talking about how militant or like how his mindset sort of changed over the years. You know, when you constantly get that pushback, there is sort of like, I don't want to say defensiveness that one takes, but also the idea of having to push back yourself, right? And sort of recapturing not only your pride, but the idea of you knowing like your confidence and knowing who you are as a person um, and not letting these people sort of just trample all over you. And I love the line that he says, you know, Star Wars put me in this movie, but I don't necessarily know if the industry was ready for me you know, ready to sort of accept him in the roles that he was playing or just society and culture in general. And he's got to be that person that sort of pushes back against those norms. Uh, and we saw how people certainly reacted to it. So I do think that he's right in that sense that they put him in a position that maybe even the industry certainly wasn't ready for. He put himself through the ringer in this um in these trilogies with really receiving some terrible threats and things like that and i can understand it certainly changing him as a person because it does harden you it does make you defensive in a sense of having to stand up for yourself and it always makes me laugh in the sense that you know you got these bullies and you got these racists out there that want to poke the bear but once he actually pushes back against it, then they want to be like, oh, look at him. Oh, you know, like they want to, you know, turn the tables on you sort of mentality and start treating you different and, you know, start saying just negative shit about you sort of thing. But I definitely understand where John Boyega is definitely coming from. And I understand why he certainly gave that pushback and it sort of changed his mentality. But the idea that he's open to returning to me just lets me know him and Kathleen Kennedy had to have had some sort of good conversation to reassure him. Uh, and I do think that we will see John Boyega again. Uh, nothing's been confirmed yet, but I do think that we will see him in these upcoming Star Wars movies. And for me, I honestly think that's a win because I don't think you go wrong with not casting great talent. If you bring somebody that's just great 
in in regards to his performances he's going to bring that to um he's going to bring that to the movie regardless of what the script certainly looks like uh and great examples of that would be john boyega in detroit which i highly recommend and i've been hearing he's been getting a ton of praise from his netflix movie they they cloned tyrone so definitely go ahead and show john boyega some love and check out some of his content but what do you think indy are you uh, pleased with the idea of um john boyega returning possibly as um as Finn, even though it's not been confirmed, are you cool with the idea of him being open to returning? Yeah, very much so. Um, I feel that Finn has a lot of story, you know what I'm saying, that can be told. Um, I would love for him returning, whether I, I would love like a Disney Plus show just following him yeah. and what he's doing right now. But I would, love, I would also love to see him return in the future with Ray. You know what I'm saying? Because that that's that cast. Like you had, like Luke had his Han. And you know what I'm saying? It's Leia. You know what I'm saying? Ray has, you know what I'm saying? Finn and, you know, everybody else. So I don't see how they can further her story without bringing a character like that back. I just hope they take the time in order to develop and tell more of a story, you know what I'm saying, from his opinion, because the, the little pieces we got of his character, I really enjoyed. Yeah, I, I agree. I think uh, he definitely deserves some character growth and certainly some attention. Even if this is a Ray Skywalker movie, I definitely does. I definitely do hope that he plays a, a big, significant supporting role character in here also, because definitely feels like there is some meat left on the bone for sure with this character. Mm -hmm. um, any last thoughts on this, guys, before we wrap up? Uh, no, I think that pretty much nails it. Um, John, John Boyega is a threat. That's, a, that's all I'm going to say. Like That's just acting wise, like to Hollywood, just, just acting wise to Hollywood. Uh, if you if 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 something happens and we end up recasting Kang, all I'm saying is you should look his way. <laughs> yeah, I think he, he's yeah. that powerful of an actor. I totally agree. He's he's really that good. Um, all right, guys, let us know your thoughts. Um, John Boyega open to returning to Star Wars. Yay, nay. How would you like to certainly see him utilized in future Star Wars movies if he were to return? Let us know your thoughts in the comment section box below. And guys, I think that will wrap up all of our live viewer questions. I'm oh, not live viewer questions. All of our main <laughs> topics for the day. But Stuart, I think you do know what time it is. It is time for live viewer questions, questions, questions. And we're going to be getting into your guys's live viewer questions today. Uh, let me go ahead. Um. I actually do have to uh, get going, uh, but it, whatever questions like you guys aren't able to get through, I'd be more than happy to uh, read the rest of them tomorrow if you don't get through all of them. Okay, yeah, let's. Um, we'll see. I don't even know how many questions we got, but we'll definitely try and breeze through some of them for sure. Um, but uh, appreciate it, Stuart. Awesome. Uh, before I go, everyone, uh, just so everyone uh, watching is aware, if you guys keep up with my uh, Star Trek and Superman reviews, uh, they will be up uh, tomorrow. Uh, basically, one I'm going to upload one in the morning. The other one will be up in the early afternoon. Uh, but yeah, I will see all of you amazing human beings later. <laughs> all right. Take care, Stuart. See you later, buddy. You too. Bye. All right. Let's go ahead and bring up these live viewer questions. Where did it go? All right. So if you guys ever want to go ahead and post a live viewer question, just go over to our YouTube channels. You can see we've completely rebranded. We got some a ton of uh, new designs up here, but always go over to our community tab. Uh, there usually will be a live viewer question post and we've got five questions. So we may be able to navigate all these real quick for you guys today. So uh, let's kick this off, Indy, shall we? Let's go. Um, here we go. So we got Jessica Friedman, um, which I think Jessica Friedman actually 
just recently followed us over on Instagram. So appreciate the follow. Um, when you think the writers and actors strike will end, and do you think Harley Quinn will get a season four, a season five? Well, we just got the trailer this week or last week for season four of Harley Quinn. Um, you know, I'm kind of curious, Indy. You know, James Gunn clearly knows that 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 series is popular. Um, we are getting a season four. Any chance you think we get a season five? As long as you can keep that voice cast with uh, Kelly Kugel and, mm-hmm. and them interested and attached. And, and with that, um, it seems like with them, it's just interesting storylines and different ways to go. As long as they got somewhere to go with it, I believe there'll be another season because I don't see that show not doing numbers on um, Max. Uh, and as far as the how long the writer strike and actor strike is going to go, I honestly have no idea. You know, we've heard several different stories, you know, sources um, saying that the uh, executives, especially when it comes to the writers, want to wait them out until they're like, can't pay their rent, got no house to live in sort of mentality. Just really terrible, disgusting mentality. Um, So I don't I have no idea, honestly. Like, I, I wonder if they are waiting for like a quarterly earnings call, um, you know until they start seeing things on the downward trajectory before they're like, Oh man, we got to do something. So, you know, if that quarterly phone call comes in like September, I don't think it's going to show that much of a significant drop yet. I feel like it might be like the first quarter of 2024 that maybe their earnings uh, might look a little bad when they don't got content that they're kind of pushing out. So there's a part of me, uh, Indy that I want to say this, this doesn't get resolved by the end of the year, but I, I got to think that there are people like hairstyles, hairstylists, makeup artists, all these other people that are kind of out of work, you know, all these other um, companies that depend on the studios to be in production. I got to think there's got to be a lot of outside sources that are really pushing these dudes to kind of get back to the table and figure something out. So there's a part of me that wants to say, by the end of September, beginning of October, but I don't know if that's wishful thinking or not. What about you, Indy? Do you know any uh, idea when this might end? I've been listening to, uh, as you know, I'm a fan of Batman Beyond. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, Batman Beyond. Um, huge Kevin Smith, Mark Bernard fan, who Mark Bernard is part of the writer's uh, guild now because of the writing he's been doing on certain shows, but he's also still a news guy. Cause he still has his card for, you know what I'm saying? So he's still able to report on news and everything like that. He's just not able to, uh, I guess, talk about new trailers and stuff and everything like that. And uh, he believes we're not going to see anything anytime soon. Him, him and Kevin Smith both, because they, they can't even talk about the projects that they're doing and everything like that to promote. But um, the, the two sides are far apart. Um, I think was it showtime that wants to get back to the table. It was somebody who came out and they wanted, they want to get back to the table as soon as possible. But the, uh, this AI thing is a huge deal. And what I don't think people understand about what's going on is that that they hear this and they're thinking, Oh, these stars and these writers want more money. It's not the big name stars. You think that are the ones who are striking. They are in support. So it's not like Tom Cruise going, Oh, I'm trying to get more money. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going on strike. No, it's the people who, live and die you know what i'm saying off of this because think about it with these streaming shows only having short orders that say like 10 episodes right the problem that they're having is that most people most shows and stuff like that when they were on television used to go a whole year 
It used to be like what 25, 30 episode seasons mm-hmm. that go all the way around. You you could eat off of that. You got people who are signing 10 episodes, signing on the shows, do 10 episodes, and then they have exclusive deals where they can't work for nothing but that show. So you're getting paid out for 10 episodes, and then the rest of the year, you're not making any money. You're out there Uber and doing whatever you do because you can't go work on another show because you're exclusive to that show. Now, now this is where these shows are making millions. And then you have the writers and the different actors making pennies. Uh, you know what I'm saying? Off of what they with the off of what they get. So until something changes with uh seeing numbers on streaming and what's going on with this AI, because what's going on with AI, you can have somebody come in and do a test, right? Or or do or film a scene, a three-second scene, and then own the rights and likenesses to that person for the, the rest of their life and just change the clothes, you know what I'm saying, or, or whatever they're doing. You can have them in the crowd and in every scene and every movie you ever do. And only paying for on. one day of film. And only paying for one day. Yeah. So it, it's it's a lot that has to be changed before we see it. So I'm, I'm honestly, if the, if the companies give in, Yes, because I don't think they understand how uh, how stomped in the actors and the writers are on this. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why I think like even if they look at their quarterly uh, earnings here, like come September or whatever or August, I don't know when they drop, but they probably will look pretty promising for them. But I do Mm -hmm. think once you get the following three months out of the way and you haven't you got no production on the books um, that following quarterly earnings call might look pretty bad so i guess one maybe one of the reasons why i i think maybe not until next year but the naive person in me wants to say like september october but but i I agree with you i i do think it's something that will hold over until the next year and again just to piggyback off of what you said just to clarify for people there's 150,000 members in the screen actors guild um and they have mentioned like 87 86 percent of those people don't even meet the threshold to have health care. Talking uh, about that, they're only making about 20 grand a year. Right. And so the threshold to make health care is 26,000. So you've got 87% of the SAG guild, uh, the Screen Actors Guild, that don't even make $26,000. Like, I, I literally make more money than these actors uh, that are on television, which is pretty sad, to be honest with you. So... Um, yeah, it's not it's not about the one percent or the ten percent that uh, are making all the money at the top. It, it really is the, those on the bottom. And again, I think the importantness of having these big stars come out and talk. I've heard Rosario Dawson say, you know, she appreciates the people that came before her that were on strike. You know, those big stars at the time that were on strike that were advocating for people to get better pay, so that her herself is now in a much better position and now that she's in a much better position she's paying it forward by going on strike and fighting for those that don't have that same position that she has in the sense of wanting to get other people more money so while you might see these big faces at the top understand that they're not just necessarily fighting for themselves but for the little people at the bottom along with those um in other labor markets as well because this isn't just a hollywood thing this is definitely uh all across the country thing um definitely man I will say that one one. I, if anything, I I do have to go here pretty shortly. I did just get an update here. 
Um, so I am going to have to leave pretty soon. But let's knock out Marcelino's question. And then if anything, um, Pegsy, Doomsday, and Blossom will have um, Stuart tackle your guys' question. But Marcelino says, who's an actor that you do not like as an actor, but you love them as a human being? For example, there are people who don't like Corey Stahl, Megan Fox, or Andrew Andrew Gray as actors, um, but they love them as human beings because of the charities they help fund uh, or they're good people in general. They also say that they rather have actors who can't act but are good human beings than actors who can act but are shitty people in real life like Kevin Spacey and Juicy Smollett and Allison Mack. Um, so is there any actor that you don't like as an actor but you think they're pretty good as far as people? Hmm. I'm trying to think who's a good person, but maybe that I don't like as an actor. Candace Patton. <laughs> you think she's oh a good human being, but terrible actor? Yes. Uh, some people would be like, doesn't she doesn't she take like husbands from people? No, was that a, not a thing? <laughs> that the, it, 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 it's a situ, <laughs> it's a situationship, and and everybody's oh. been through that at least you know what I'm saying one time in their life. I feel you. I feel like there's more him than her. She was led, um, she was led on. It also says, um, I'm not trying to defend Amber Heard with this comment, but this needs to be pointed out. Amber Heard should face accountability for her actions, and I'm glad she is. But what I don't like is she is the front runner for celebrities committing scandalous schemes when they have uh, where there have been other celebrities who have done things that are just as bad or have done worse. Kevin Spacey and Bill Cosby have done worse things, in my opinion. But for some reason, there's not an outrage towards them as there is uh, Amber Heard. Uh, if you go to YouTube, there will be videos about canceling Amber. Or if you go to a comment section, uh, Amber Heard is playing a character, even if her role in the video is minor. Or if it has no relation to the real life events of the actress, there will always be comments vilifying her. But for Kevin Spacey and Bill Cosby, uh, they aren't given the same treatment by the Internet or media. Uh, the closest you get is that when there is a video where Kevin Spacey is playing a character, uh, there will be several comments where they say, say what you will about Kevin Spacey, but you can't deny he's such a great actor. Some people even doubt that Kevin Spacey did to be true. Uh, oh, what he did to be true. There are literally zero cancel Kevin Spacey videos. To me, this gives me the vibes that unknown celebrities are easy to vilify, but popular celebrities are easy to defend or not have their legacy tarnished. We see this now happen in Jonathan Majors and Ezra Miller, whose public image is now tarnished after the stunts they pulled, while other celebrities like William Hurt are, are universally praised. Uh, their public isn't tarnished despite any controversy or allegations made towards them. Uh, so otherwise, well, the pushback I will have to that and maybe any will elaborate even more. But, you know, Kevin Spacey and Bill Cosby, uh, Kevin Spacey hasn't worked on a project in years. Uh, I think this man's been blackballed in Hollywood, if you ask mm -hmm. me, going through all the constant, you know, if they, you want to talk about somebody being canceled, this man's been canceled for a while. Like yeah. did they, he's did still they cancel, going through court trials. Did they cancel his show or did they take him off the show? They took him off his show. They took they him off the show. Like he got he got canceled. Hollywood itself canceled him. Canceled we didn't have man. we didn't have to come up to do Bill Cosby went to jail. <laughs> yeah, I mean <laughs> Yeah, I mean, he, he went to jail for sure. He went he went to jail and his his well-received show, which there is nothing wrong with the show at all. The show's actually one of the Cosby shows, one of the most positive things you could possibly watch that show. You know, what I'm saying a black woman in a prominent role. 
you know what I'm saying, as a lawyer, uh, you know what I'm saying, a black man, you know what I'm saying, as a doctor, was taken off a of syndication off a lot of television. You know what I'm saying? You have to search to find the Cosby show now. So it they they canceled their sales. The thing with Amber Heard, which a lot of people went outrage at, she got a whole man canceled. He he literally lost his job, you know what I'm saying? His positions he had at Disney and different stuff like that when all this was going on before he was even proven guilty. You know what I'm saying? The thing that's going on with like, I feel like Jonathan Major, Jonathan Major is still employed. Like they're, they're handling this the proper way when it comes to him because they're waiting to see what the result is before they jump. You know what I'm saying? I think he could be guilty. He could not be guilty, but they're not moving forward and like, oh my God, he's being recast or whatever. They're going to wait until they see what happens. You know what I'm saying? To see what, what comes on. But Amber Heard was... Uh, the 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 thing that happened with that is that the the support for her was overwhelming when this was going on, and then after the court case and she got found guilty for whatever she got found guilty for and had to award him whatever money and stuff like that. You, what are you supposed to do? Like mm. she she ruined a man she ruined a man's career for a few years. You know what I'm saying under false allegations. Where where's the where's the get back at that? considering that I feel like she got off light, you know what I'm saying, for interrupting this man's life like she did. I never caught I never caught up with the um the trial honestly as much. I I don't know why it was a trial. I just didn't never paid that much uh, close attention to. Um but yeah, I know she just kind of dragged this man's name through the mud, even a kind of like couple publications I think about him. Mm-hmm. Um and um yeah, I, I look, I, I'm sure there was probably wrongdoings on both sides. I feel like this was very much a very toxic relationship yeah. between these two for sure. Um, yeah. But I, I don't really know enough about the um, the trial to kind of get but my she, opinion on it, though. She got him recasting the Harry Potter thing and then taken out of the Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, like, sure. like, I mean, and he, he still he literally really still hasn't fully bounced back. You know what I'm saying? From that from that whole situation. And I. And again, I, I don't know all the, but I just remember the pushback, especially being the idea that it's like the idea that Amber Heard just said this things about him, these allegations, and then people just ran with those, you know? And then when you come to find out that you've been lying about certain events, you know, then I can understand the backlash that she would get uh, from other people. It's like, you know, you tried to gaslight us um, uh, on this and come to find out that some of this stuff wasn't true. So I can I can understand the pushback that she wind up getting. Uh Look, I, people are horrible in general in the sense of like, especially uh, social media. You know, people are going to comment some horrendous things to you. I, I haven't heard a story that she had to like leave. I don't know if she left America or went to like another country to live, li- live mm-hmm. to kind of get away from all the backlash. But I'm sure it was uh, tremendous on her. I don't feel any I don't feel any sorry for her, um, to be honest with you. But uh, uh, I, I do think that she's handled. I do think that she's gotten her fair share of cancellations, though. Honestly. Yeah. Well, with this, he goes that he's mad that people are constantly vilifying Amber Heard, but yet praise Kevin Spacey as a great actor. And he know, no, uh, I feel like a lot. I, I personally can separate the two. Okay. Kevin Spacey is a horrible individual as a man. That doesn't mean he's not a great actor. Like the him being a great actor has nothing to do with who he is. You know what I'm saying? In person. So if he's a great actor, he could be a great actor. There's plenty of people that are really good at the stuff that they do, but can't, but can be a horrible frigging person. You know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to say, Oh, he's a horrible actor because he's a horrible person. You know what I'm saying? I'm not, I'm not going to like, if, if he's a good actor, he's a good actor. 
I I personally don't support his movies. I personally don't support him. You know what I'm saying? From what he did. So he's not going to get nothing out of me. But the stuff that I watched, he was, you know what I'm saying? He was good. I can't, I, you can't deny somebody's talent because of how, you know what I'm saying, they are. The, the way that they are outside is going to show you how far that talent can get them. Mm. But he's not, he's not a good person. That's the reason why he's canceled right now. And he can't, he's not going to be able to get work or anything like that because of the person that he is. So it doesn't matter how talented he is, he's gone. So all you have is his work that he had before. Um, and so, uh, again, um, Peg C, um, Doomsday, and Blossom. Just three questions, but if anything, we'll probably have um, Stuart knock those out for you guys tomorrow, uh, and he'll have them ready for you guys probably sometime on Tuesday or maybe even Monday night, but we'll definitely keep you guys posted. I apologize that we ran so long today, guys. I usually like to try and get these uh, questions all answered as one, but, um, yeah, we had a lot of huge topics to uh, dive into today, especially with the San Diego Comic-Con this weekend, so we were bound to have a lot uh, to certainly have to recap, but, again, we will get to those questions for you guys in a separate video this week, so uh, look out for those. But, um, Indy, I think that's going to wrap it up for us here, buddy. Um, so thank you so much for joining us, man. Thank you. Shout out to Stuart for being here earlier today as well. Um, Indy, um, I know you got a couple, you got a show coming up in August. Uh, do you want to go ahead and plug your, um, your show that you're going to be at and where people can find you on social media? Yes, definitely. Please. If you guys get the chance, if you're in the Chicagoland area, come out and check me out in Hobart, Indiana at the Hobart Art Theater, uh, August 5th. Doors open up at six, $20 at the door for the Underground Music Fest. Also just added, um, headlining at the Forge in uh Juliet, illinois um september 3rd and also august 5th if you guys go to bandcap search nerd mix music you can pre-order banner versus mccoy the ep that i have uh produced um by just one beats um take the chance to go check it out because any money that you contribute does nothing but help what we do everything when it comes to nerdy pop culture um, so yeah, definitely go ahead and follow him guys. Check him out if you're in the, um, in the area for sure. Um, if you want to follow us on social media, uh, at a plus opinions. Oh damn. I don't even have it in here, uh, on this new overlay, but I'll fix that later. Uh, follow us at a plus opinions, very active over on Facebook, um, Instagram, Twitter as well. If you're not checking out our Facebook page, please go ahead and do so. That's where we post all of our news articles, posters, trailers throughout the week, and then we pick our topics from there to go ahead and discuss here with you guys every Sunday. Uh, we're also on Spotify for you audio listeners or wherever you get your audio podcasts. Just search A-plus Hero Report, uh, and Spotify does now do videos as well. So I'll go ahead and get that uploaded for you guys later on today. Um, but other than that, guys, um, that'll do it for today's show. We'll certainly be back next weekend for you guys next Sunday. So certainly follow us then. Hit that like button. Hit that subscribe button. Leave those comments at the end of this video so we can go ahead and continue this conversation. But until then, do us a big favor, guys. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. And keep it A+. We'll talk to you guys later. Bye. Bye. <laughs>